Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me for this illustrious panel. As always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, senior sports editor, your coach, my coach, the coach, back from the NBA lottery with a lot to say, but we're going to hold off on that just for a little bit longer. It's Coach Duffy. I am still not recovered from Thursday. I'm still angry. Yes. Uh, when you left abruptly for the show to get down there because you got the call from uh, President Leon Rose to go down. We knew something still, big was happening. Still angry. But Coach definitely lit up Twitter. At OD, or at OD Parlay Hour will take you there because if you want to find out where at Coach Duffy 11 is, we got all the links plus so much more on our Twitter account, which you can also find at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. So definitely join in the conversation. Drop those five-star rating reviews on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts from. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So let's waste no more time, gentlemen. Let's get right into it. NBA playoffs have been on fire, Coach. I will let you take the segment because I know you got a lot <laughs> of NBA talk to go. What's been the status of the room? Well, I mean, I think the craziest thing is, and something that I didn't think was real in the NBA, I just kind of thought it was, you know, more just announcers talking about it just to bring mm-hmm. up a subject. Home court advantage is a real thing. Yeah. It's so wild. I mean, I, I'm obviously you knew like teams like that had like the presence like a, you know, a Madison Square Garden or the Staples sure. Center, like that they have that kind of energy, you know, an a- OKC, like you knew yeah, that oh, yeah. those teams probably had a little more, you know, jolt when they played at home just because of the way that their crowd gets invested. But I mean, watching these games now, I mean, you're seeing teams like you know Oklahoma City being able to take it to the to the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, you had eight seeds steal game ones away from the number one seeds yeah. that everybody thought they would run away with it. You have you know um, the two seven matchup in the West right now. You know obviously uh, the uh, Clippers the and the Mavericks. Mavericks. You know with the Mavericks right in the series right now. And I mean obviously the Mavericks are a good team, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But at the end of the day, they are the seventh seed, yeah. and they are taking it to the Clippers that were a heavy favorite going into the playoffs, even going into the bubble. So it's just really interesting to see that dynamic of, you know, home court advantage really does matter. Yeah, it's definitely surprising to me just because, you know, obviously we all know they're in Disney, they're in the bubble, and I know they've been using, like, video packages and and some of the stuff they do in TV timeouts at their own state, at their stadiums, their own arenas, and, you know, they got their own fans on the video boards. But at the at the end of the day, I was like, all right, it's still a neutral site game, and sure. you know you can play the video packages and you can play the songs and all the stuff to make it feel like you're at home. But at the end of the day, it's not at home. You know, if it's not at home, if the Cameron if Duke is playing the Cam, and the Cameron Crazies aren't going freaking bonkers. Yeah, you know, it's not the same if you're in Oklahoma City trying to inbound the ball down low and you got the fans screaming in your ear. It, so I figured, all right, we might have one or two teams make some noise, but it's probably going to be rock chalk and we'll, let's walk it all home. But to have home court advantage actually mean something is wow. Yeah, it's surprising that this has become such an element at the NBA bubble. Mm-hmm. So you think about it when we were talking about the season restarting and everybody was being quarantined and obviously doing the safest job in all professional sports right now. <clears throat> they have PLL. Well, PLL too. We have to we have to know that. But their season's Super over, so you know. We do yeah, sure, 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 sure. So, but 
Overall, though, the NBA has been one of the leading factors yeah. in setting the example of how to run sports in the pandemic era. And for the teams being down there, we didn't think this would be such an you know a factor. But looking at how the matchups have been, mm-hmm. this is definitely a huge deal. I mean, to see teams that were written off for dead, such as the Dallas Mavericks, yeah. now tied two two as we were recording with the Clippers, and you know Donick pulling off a. a a superstar run. Well, right that now. was going to be the next thing that I was going to talk about. Is I mean, we're not done with this, but Luka Doncic is having an ascension. Cold superstardom. Cold fucking blooded. Yeah, I yeah. mean, holy shit. I I I liked Luka going into the draft. I didn't buy the the you know a lot of the quote unquote experts who were killing him going into this. Um, I definitely thought that you know he had superstar written all over him, and now just right now in this bubble, his ascension is is undeniable. You cannot deny the talent that he has. No, you definitely can't. To see him rise up in, in the occasion, and to see teams such as the Philadelphia 76ers implode, yeah, which I mean yeah. I think that was going to be the lead story head. <clears throat> let's to- let's call back to the season preview too. Let's rewind. Mm-hmm. A young a young Ken at the time said. Yes. That Al Horford, Horford. was going to be a game changer yeah. for Philadelphia. I do remember that. I stand by my words. You eat that, Crow. I mean, you eat that. I told you it wasn't going to pan out. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to pan out. I mean, here's the crazy thing with Luca. You know what? Second year in the league. Yeah. Second year in the league. He's only 21 years old. For the postseason, he's averaging 31 and a half points per game, 10 and a half rebounds per game, and 9.8 assists per game. He's almost averaging a triple double. Oh, yeah. He's killing it. Oh, he's killing. He's been one of the the major stories to uh, of this bubble right now. I mean, and this it, is with with and without Przingis yes. in the lineup. Yeah. yeah, he has been that soft bubble boy. Yes. that is Przingis. He has been carrying the Dallas Mavericks in this playoff series. Yeah. which I mean, you're seeing the ascension of a superstar. Yeah, and to flip back to the coach's point, yes, Go ahead. I I do own up to it. Okay, I all right, wrong. just wanted to make sure. Oh, no, I was I was planning <laughs> on addressing that. Good. No, because I, I was definitely not not going to bring it up. <laughs> oh no, I, I, you know, anytime I mention something on the show, I'm willing to admit right. when I'm wrong about that. Listen, it was. It's a tough move for Philly because obviously Horford was uh, he is a talented player. It's mm-hmm. just with Embiid, there's not and Ben Simmons, there's not enough bodies, there's not enough room in the paint. Yeah, and three it, guys occupying the same spot don't work. Yeah, how Philly has just imploded for where they should have been this season is, is it's just tough. It's it's tough. I mean, obviously they just fired the head coach. Elder I Brent. can't Brett, I can't believe Brett Brown. It was. It's definitely. I listen. That roster was not assimilated to what he ran with. This team. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, obviously Ben Simmons going down right before the postseason certainly doesn't help. And then you look at the fact that, you know, you lose J.J. Redick, you lose Jimmy Butler, you know, and now you're left with, um, you know, kind of the scrap pieces of what was, you know, a team that was budding for, you know, an NBA Finals run until Mm -hmm. they ran into Toronto. Um, you know, you can't you you can't fill those roles with nothing. Right. You know, and to lose that, you know, they lost a piece of their edge and this is the result. And it's definitely not on Brett Mount Brown, that's on the general manager to not fill those pieces that left. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's where I stand. I mean, you cannot say that losing Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick but adding Al Horford is a game. No, it should have been if anything maybe a substantial balance to a degree of 
you're you're plugging in one player that could help, but not put them over the the hump. I'll say just for some stats here, uh, Al Horford averaged thirty point two minutes per game this season, which is about on par. Uh, you know, a little bit under his high mount watermarks from early in his career, but their last couple of years, it's about on about on par. Eleven point nine points per game, six point eight rebounds per game, and four assists per game. His the problem was, and again, I when they had Jimmy Butler, the lineup was Embiid, Tobias Harris at the four, Butler. You know JJ Redick and Simmons. That's dangerous mm-hmm. because JJ Redick obviously stretches the floor. Jimmy Butler stretches the floor, and Tobias Harris, you know, is, can stretch the floor. And now with Al Horford, you had Horford and Bede and Simmons all occupying the same space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that just and then there's no shooting because right. now JJ Redick's gone. So then yeah. you have fill in the blank playing the two, and I know that they had an emergence of a rookie come on late. I can't remember his name; it's escaping me. But he played well down the stretch, especially in the bubble. Yeah. But then once, uh, you know, Ben Simmons went down, and that dynamic playmaking was gone. Now you're just left with Embiid, mm-hmm. and that he unfortunately has shown that he cannot carry it by himself. He's no. not. He's not the franchise guy. He's not. He's a very good center. Very good center. Very good center. But in a world of Let's play small ball, mm-hmm. you know, and and stretch the floor. Simmons doesn't work unless, or Embiid doesn't work unless he's able to dominate in the paint. Yeah. And if you don't feed him, then that's going to be what happens. Yeah. You, I mean, you look at what the Lakers are doing on the flip side of that by playing big against a small Portland team. They're not still trying to shoot threes against Portland. Mm. They are punishing them in the paint, yeah. just pounding the ball in the paint. That's the difference. If you're going to play big, you got to play big. No, I fully agree with you about that. And like I said, with the Horford experiment, and that's Brett Brown. Yeah. That's his problem. That's coaching. Yeah, that's the th- that's all mixing in together. Like I said, Horford, I thought would have been an adequate piece to help them. Mm-hmm. But when the rest of the team didn't adapt to the losses, because he can shoot the three. Yeah, he can. No, he can shoot. But when they don't do that and they don't change that offense up, you're not going to grow. You're going to stay stagnant. Right. And that's what caught him in the playoffs. I mean, Ben Simmons. Like I said, how many three pointers has he shot? Oh, that's right. Well, the over-under was set at six, yeah. and I was like, low-hanging fruit, take the over. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not so fast, my friend. Exactly. When, yeah. he, when he doesn't evolve his game, all those young players did not really show involvement, in my opinion. Yeah, well, the one guy, again, the rookie, he uh, had a very solid year as, the, as they went into the bubble, but that was it. Yeah, that was it, but when your superstars don't right. play well together. Show and, up. I'm looking at the Shake Milton. Yes. Yeah, thank you. He, an uh, emergence, played very well down the stretch in the bubble. Yeah, he's the only one who stepped up. Yes. And Bede didn't. No, no. no. Embiid, I don't. Embiid had his hands too busy, his hands and his, his face in his hands. Yeah, when you don't show that, that growth that you need to as a player and you're considered the franchise of your team, you're going to get exposed real quick. And like I say, in comparison to where Donick is with Dallas, oh, yeah. Embiid, like, you, if you're going to be the head guy in Philly, with such a rabid fan base, you need to step up and you need to produce wins. Well, that kind of makes me beg the question of, you know, for years it's been trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. Philly fans have been trusting the process for quite a few years now, mm-hmm. and it ain't really paid out all that well. Is it time to maybe stop trusting that process and come up with a different one? No, yes. yeah, the move is it's Ben Simmons or Embiid's got to go. Yeah, one of them got to go. That's clear that, that this season has sent that message home. Yeah, they can't play together. No. They're, they're just canceling each other out. And for the East, 
had they been the, this team in the Western Conference, oh, they got eaten. They would have never even been near the playoffs. Well, no. To Coach's point about you know trading Embiid or Simmons, according to uh, Philadelphia 76ers general manager Elton Brand, uh, quote: "I'm not looking to trade Ben or Joel. I'm looking to complement them better. Uh, they are 24 and 26 years old, respectively. You try to make uh, f- that fit as long as you can. They want to be here. They want to be with our organization, and I see them here for a long, long time." Yeah, I don't know how you make it work, though. You can't make it work at this stage. I'm sorry. It's just it's not going to. And as a general manager, what's he supposed to say? Right. You know, that's the thing. I mean, that's a smokescreen answer if I've ever seen one. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either Brand's going to lose his job next season or one of those guys is going to be gone. Right. There's not going to be both. I mean, the rumor is Brand will lose his job before they get rid of that, before they get rid of them. The rumor that I've heard is that Golden State pick uh, hanging two in front of Philly for Mm. Embiid. Is the rumor that I've read? Mm. That's a huge deal if they can swing that, and you know what? That's not a bad idea. No, it's not as no. Wild, as wild as it sounds. I mean, we're going to get to the NBA draft a little later, but that's not a bad idea for Philly to do. No. I mean, because you'll still have a young player though come in and replace and beat. And we just clearly shown. I mean, how long are you going to trust the process? Like Pad said, I agree. You have to you have to hit a reset at some point. You've given this team enough time to grow in a weak conference. Well, I mean, they went all in last yeah. year. That was last year was the year. I mean, it's just they ran into Toronto and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and I'll say Embiid's been in the league for six years now. You know, he's twenty six years old. He'll be you know twenty seven around the time the league starts next year. He ain't got many more years left in front of him. You know, I mean, people kill the Knicks for you know some of the trades that they made, especially during the Mellow era, era trying to go all in, and you know, especially during the Ewing era, trying to go all in to get you know maybe aging veterans who might have one leg left in their run to try and win a championship, and you know, sacrifice the future, and that's kind of what Philly did. I mean, they didn't invest a huge amount in the Jimmy Butler trade, but, I mean, they lost Sarich. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, uh, Covington, who's playing very well in Houston now and yep. played very well in Minnesota, um, you know, after the trade. So, you know, you lose guys like that, and you fill them in with one role of uh, one person, Jimmy Butler, which absolutely makes sense. Then you make a huge trade for Tobias Harris. You know, Landry Shamit, you know, was the big part of that trade. Shamit's obviously playing very well in the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So you make that large trade, and then you invest in these players to win now, and then when you don't win now, and then you lose out on them in free agency for nothing, which what they did with Jimmy Butler, yeah. which what they did with Robert Covington, then you're left with, you know, a scrambling, trying to, uh, you know, and, you know, they had J.J. Reddick signed for a year and they let him go for free. And now you scramble to put Band-Aids on holes that, you know, you need something a little bit stronger. Yeah. Say for all the, you know, crap and, and jokes that get made about the Knicks, and Lord knows there aren't enough, you know, yeah, they make their issues, yeah, but they you, at least they appear to have a plan and they know what they're doing. The biggest thing, for, at least from my amateur uh, observation, is Philly – never seems to have a fully fledged plan and when it doesn't work they never seem to go hey maybe we should switch this up they haven't had a conference title since 2001 yeah well the difference is too is that toronto did the same thing with Kawhi. they went all in on Kawhi, you know but they didn't trade core pieces that what is what made toronto good yeah you know, they held off on trading Ibaka. They held off on trading, putting Siakam in that trade, which is what San Antonio originally had asked yeah, for. Yeah. They held off on putting Fred Van Fleet in any trade. You know, so they, they held on to that young core in that young group that was 
the difference in, in uh, oh, in uh, OG Anadabe, who was also uh, originally put in that uh, trade to San Antonio, you know, they held off on putting those guys in the deal, and rightfully so, because now you're seeing the fruits of that mm-hmm. with Toronto still being an elite team because yeah. Siakam, you know, in his emergence into superstardom, Fred Van Feet, Fred Van Fleet is a killer right yeah. now, and originally I was like, you know, I, you I wrote know, him off. Yeah. yeah, I wrote him off. I, I mean, I was like, if the Knicks are going to throw a max cal- salary at him, you know, this is going to be another long line of dumb Knicks decisions chasing names of players who just end up coasting. Yeah, I don't see that in Fred Van Fleet right now. No, I see a guy right now that's an absolute killer who deserves to be able to be in a starting role, and you put him in that Knicks lineup with R.J. Barrett, you know, and whoever they draft this year, and you know Mitchell Robinson, um, and I see a, a guy who's going to be able to emerge as a superstar, being a leader of a team. Yeah, you know, at the point guard position, which is exactly the role that the Knicks need. So. Uh, you know, you ate crow for Al, Al Horford. Let me take mine for, uh, for yeah, for Fleet. yeah. That's on me, man. I I just didn't see a guy. You know, I saw just a bench guy who was able to reap the rewards of the starters playing well and coming in with the second unit and not being the focus of attention. But now teams know that he's going to come in and kill him, and he's still doing it. So tip of the cap to you, sir. I was wrong. You were right. Please sign with the Knicks. I yeah. mean, no, that's but, all I got to say. But that's just how you know when you draft players, you never know how they're going to pan out. Oh, yeah. I mean, for how the Sixers are so hyped that the experiment has failed as of right now. I mean, it, yeah. it's one of the things that on paper it looks like it should work. But yeah. in reality, it didn't work that no, way. No, but that's where you say you flip the coin to Dallas, and let's get back to that. Yeah. I, I, how, how much do you think? Because I, uh, Adam Schefter pointed this out the other night after Doncic hit that game winner. And he, sh- and he shared a picture of the year that Doncic was drafted and how the, they flipped the, the trade with Atlanta where they sent Trey Burke to Atlanta and then uh, Doncic went Trae to Young. Trae Trae Young, thank yeah, yeah. you. Went to Atlanta and then Don- Luca went to Dallas. How much do you think Atlanta's kicking themselves right now? I don't think Atlanta is at all. I don't think they're... I, so the thing with the Atlanta-Dallas trade was is I think Dallas, uh, a, not appreciated, but can utilize Doncic's skills in their offensive sets differently than what a Trey Young would be because Atlanta, you know, their general manager is the former assistant general manager of Golden State, and his idea and goal was rebuilding Golden State 2.0. John Collins being, you know, your Draymond Green, which is not what he's shaking out to be, but what they envisioned. (laughs) You know, uh, Kevin Herter being the uh, Clay Thompson to, you know, inevitably what they got in Trey Young, which was Steph Curry 2.0. So I think that they, you know, uh, appreciated his skills differently. So the swap for Dallas was, hey, you know, we know that teams are calling, you know, we want to position ourselves to get, you know, uh, Doncic, and you appreciate Trey Young, so let's make this work out. And I and it was a perfect trade because both teams won. Yeah. Well, it's just the difference is Dallas is winning right now yeah. because Doncic is at a higher level as far as overall skill than what Trey Young is. And completely Dallas is a better team overall. Well, let's not also forget Dallas has got a thing for European forwards. Facts. Yeah, yeah, they they utilize that. They're they love right. European forwards. Well, and that's just I mean. Th- that just goes to the organization just being able to, to maximize these guys' talent. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Przingis trade, and uh, you know, I'm going to touch on this later, you know, it is what it is with the Knicks. <laughs> they got you know what they needed in the seven-foot scorer who was able to stretch the floor for Doncic to be able to run the pick-and-pop or pick-and-roll sets and have to respect the threat outside. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., who was kind of thrown into the – which quote unquote was the original call to the Knicks. You know yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, 
I, I, I saw you know the potential that he had with the Knicks. The problem when he was there was he's a high-volume scorer. Yeah. Uh-huh. The difference is now he's shooting more efficiently in Dallas. Yeah, he, so good for him. And I think you got to give some credit to their head coach, Rick Carlisle. Because, Absolutely. Because yeah. you look at his kind of track record and never had, you know, a Lamborghini to drive around, so to speak. He's never had the best players in the world or, you know, AAA players. But he's made great work out of what he's been given. Oh, he's done a phenomenal job with what he's been given down there. And, I mean, and they, uh, that but, 2011 team was pretty goddamn good. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite 2K teams. So. Yeah, they've gotten a lot of great players that have come through Dallas. But, I mean, just goes the the, te- the set of the Mark Cuban has down there from his yeah. organization. Yeah. They're very smart about who they draft, yeah. and they utilize that to their advantage. Well, I mean, a, a guy that I think, you know, shows the – the Carlisle system the most, um, you know, besides that 2011 team with Tyson Chandler, where he went from a defensive only center to then one of the most dominant two way centers in the NBA during mm-hmm. that stretch is uh, Seth Curry. Yeah. Who at, when he left Portland and signed in Dallas was kind of like a, wow, they gave him 36 million. Really? To Seth Curry. Is mm-hmm. am I reading this right? As if 2020 wasn't weird enough. Seth Curry's in the playoffs and Steph isn't right. Yeah. And now you're seeing Seth Curry, you know, in the system with Doncic be able to play off ball more, which utilizes his ability to shoot better. And he is not necessarily a ascension to superstar, but he's definitely a mid-level player that you have to respect when you look at the overall roster of Dallas and then not to mention, you know, the Tim Hardaway thing. I mean, he's shooting much more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. with when he was with the Knicks, he was kind of re- he needed to shoot 30 plus times a night. Unfortunately, though, when he was with the Knicks, he was only making 13 of those yeah, 30 he was shots. Not, he was, it wasn't consistent enough to be considered a loss at the time. I'm sorry. Right. Let, no. let's, let's be honest with it. Um, yeah. I know because I know there's certain people out there that like to be armchair GMs. Oh, revisionist like to, history, which we'll talk about later. Oh, yeah, yeah, which we'll get into a little bit later. But you have to say it's just when a player winds up in a different setting, you're either going to pan out or you're not. Yeah, yeah. Dallas, they're utilizing Right. That. He's assimilated to that system so well that he only needs 15 to 16, 17 tops shots a night. But he's sh- he's making eight or ten of them. Yeah. yeah. So instead of going twelve of thirty, he's eight of ten, eight of sixteen for twenty four points versus twenty points. But he took thirty misses to get there. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, so it's way more efficient. And then you know, Przingis, who uh, f- goon. But listen, <laughs> when he plays well in that system with Doncic, he's playing well. You know, and but. He's still a soft little bitch. It's just I'm just saying, like, you know, he's playing well enough that he's helping Doncic instead of hurting him. And, you know, he doesn't have the focal point of the offense on him, yep. which is the problem when he was in New York because he just couldn't handle that load because he's a baby back bitch. I mean, to your point about to your point about Hardaway, you see that in a lot of sports though, where guy, you know, for whatever reason is in uh, insert city, you know, the one that obviously for me that comes to mind, Carl Pavano and the Yankees. Yep. God awful tenure. Oh, that God was awful brutal. tenure. With Even the I remember that. But he left the Yankees and ended up with the Twins. Now it wasn't his former stardom when he was with the Marlins, but better career than when he was with New York. You look at all the other sports; you see it all the time. For whatever reason, you got a guy who can't catch a pass to save his life in insert city here. Gets cut, gets traded, goes to somebody else, and all of a sudden it's like he's an all pro wide receiver. It's a wild thing when players go to different cities, and if the city is rich with sports tradition, such as New York. New York will eat you up, or you survive and you become a legend. It's There's no in-between there. So to see how Hardaway maybe just couldn't handle pressure in New York, but going to Dallas, and it's not to say that that's not a great sports town, but it's a different animal than it is in New York. 
and especially dealing with the NBA, you think about the Knicks tradition. I mean, that's why it's always a, a big headline story, even though how bad the team has been over recent years. Yeah. You flip it to L.A. and the prominence of the Lakers and now the emergence of the Clippers, yeah. they've always had a rich basketball history in the in those towns. Well, but, to, well to interject from him, to your point, Dallas is a very rabid, very rich sports town, but the Mavericks are probably like third on that list. Exactly. I mean, everybody knows the Cowboys run that it's, city. It's Cowboys, then it's high school football, then it's maybe the Mavericks. Exactly. So, I mean, you just have to take in precedent of where the sports rank in that town. I mean, obviously, Dallas is a football town. There's no oh, question yeah. about the, that. Dallas and that entire state. Exactly. So, for a player to go to Dallas and thrive in the NBA, you're seeing that. And how they're stepping up to the Clippers has been a, a huge surprise. And, and the other thing, too, is you go to Dallas. Dallas, every time I watch SportsCenter, Fox Sports, whoever, and they're doing an NBA season preview, Dallas is never heavy favorites. They're never the ones that are always getting picked to win the NBA title. It's like, oh, hey, they'll contend, but we'll see what we get out of them. So you're going down there with all, outside of the pressure put on by Mark Cuban, which, let's face it, he's one of the most rabid, if not the most rabid, uh, owner in all of the NBA. There's really no pressure from the fans. They're like, hey, you, well, you do well? Awesome. If you don't, eh, okay. Because before he took over, they were uh, an afterthought. Yeah. Let, let's not forget, when he finally took that team over and made it into something where he got Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, yeah. got Steve Nash for, oh, yeah. uh, for a yeah. while, he re- just re-energized that, yeah. that that organization. So Well, he reinvested in his players. Yeah, and that's a smart thing to do. They'll sneak up on you. Yeah, I mean, and you're seeing that too now with the Clippers and, yeah, I mean, and, their, and back, their owner. Back to your coach's point about when they beat the Heat in the finals. Who the hell saw that coming? Yeah, nobody did, but they out, they showed what a veteran team could do when they played like a team, not a, three, a three-person a team, yeah. which what the Heat had at the time. But to go with these playoffs, though, and seeing the emergence of Donjic, it has been just something to watch how he stepped up and embraced the spotlight. And now there is a serious threat that it's not going to be Clippers versus Lakers mm-hmm. in the finals. I mean, the Lakers are doing what they're doing. And obviously with Damian Lillard not playing game five. As Let's say uh, Charles Barkley. How's that uh, four-game sweep Portland was going to have looking yeah, for you? Yeah, how's that looking right now? Uh, very, very abysmal. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the Lakers are in cruise control. Yeah, they're up 3-1. Yeah, the Jazz, they're up on the on the Nuggets, which that's kind of a surprise, I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially with how that series started. Yeah. Because Denver looked dominant. But, I mean, the Jazz are a very good team, too. I mean, obviously, um, you know, um, they, they have a ton of talent that – Doubt. I mean, Denver. Denver's having a difficult time, you know, kind of counteracting that. I, I obviously Donovan Mitchell is another player that you know can lead a team, and I was really hoping that the Gobert thing in him would just you know continue to crumble. You know, their relationship I think in the he's bubble. Playing out of spite. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I was hoping that there can. I thought their relationship was going to continue to crumble, and then after the season, he was going to be like me or him, and they you know would have traded him because they would have been a bigger market, and the Knicks would have you know given them their top three. Pick that they should have had that fell to eighth, but that's you know later on um, or here nor there. Um, but obviously my uh, dreams fell through, and Donovan Mitchell's playing great, and so is Gobert, and they're playing well together for right now until they get further in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, listen, if you're getting along in the bubble, you're going to get along outside of the bubble. I mean, yeah, I hate that. I mean, winning, listen, winning, when you're spending twenty four seven together, you don't have a choice. Winning is a great band. That's winning, also true. Winning is a great band aid. Also, spending the better part of what was it like four months apart from each other also helps yeah i mean dude you're locked in with these guys like you that's all you're seeing so if they haven't you know either come to some sort of like they had an awkward conversation yeah like if they haven't come to some sort of like hey 
you know, let's let's put it on the line and this is what it is and draw the line in the sand and, and come to some sort of agreement on terms, mm-hmm. you know, then they never would. And when you're faced to be locked in a hotel room with these guys for three months, right. you're going to uh, yeah, work well, things out. <laughs> I, I think they've worked things out or yeah. at least come to some sort of agreement because I mean, let's face it, the players, the media, and the press or whatever are all locked down in there together. You know, so we would have heard something by now. Like, I mean, the only person that's still fearing for their life is J.R. Smith with LeBron. Yeah, but that's yeah. because that's a big brother, little brother relationship that J.R. Smith wants none of that smoke. Yeah. Like, like just get like <laughs> I, I realize, given like in normal circumstances, if there was an issue, so then you know, an, 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 a quote unquote anonymous player might shoot a direct message to a reporter. The freaking bubble, they'll just go to the you know first uh, reporter that comes to mind. Rachel Nichols is down there. They might go to Rachel Nichols's door and just slip a note under there, going, "Hey, uh, they hate each other." Yeah, I mean, it's just something that obviously teams are stepping up and they're doing what they need to do down there. And like I said, Utah, it, like Mitchell, just I think he's playing out of spite. I think he's just like, I want to get done with the season. I'm going to show you how great we can be and, and turn this season into something, yeah. which, like I said, they're sneaking up on the Nuggets. That's a huge deal. I mean, that's not even talking about OKC. Yeah. yeah. Who, you know, Chris Paul, I mean, everybody wrote that off. Yeah. You know, he they were he's going to the abyss. You know, he's going to finish out his career in no no man's land. Right off into the sunset. Right off into the sunset. And instead, it has been the exact opposite. He has got this young Thunder team playing, you know, with passion and, and fire that – you know, and they're rallying behind him because you know that the OKC, especially with all the trades that they've made, going against Westbrook, going against Harden, you know, a lot of those guys are former teammates. You know that they're they're trying to rally behind Chris Paul, and it's well, showing. Stephen Adams, especially, I saw that yeah. interaction last night where uh, he jawed a little bit at Russ. Yeah, which I mean, you're seeing that they're really just going after this, and they know that they want to definitely say, "Hey, don't write us off," because the series is currently tied two two. Yeah, which is I think what we did previewing the season. Oh, absolutely. Well, we I did. mean, I I definitely Guilty didn't think that Chris Paul is a point guard. I mean, it's the NBA; it's not college. You know, point guards in college basketball can make or break you because sure. you either have a steady hand like you know Greg Paulus at Duke for years, who might not have been the best basketball player in the world, but he was serviceable enough that he could lead that team and put them in a position to succeed. Point guards can change college basketball. Point guards in the NBA are just afterthoughts. Yeah, or Diamond and, Delson. And, yeah, and Chris Paul has shown that you know point guards can make a change in oh, the yeah. NBA oh, yeah. because he's playing at an elite level. That you know, if there was a you know an All NBA bubble team, he would be if not on my second team, maybe even my first. Yeah, oh. no, he's played lights out and definitely is playing with a mission, too, because I think for the points we just brought up, he was written off. Oklahoma City was written off. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, they, yeah. it was definitely a lottery pick at best. You know, Chris Paul will end up getting traded in the offseason, and instead I think he's made the best of his situation. I mean, he's led this team in, you know, every way, shape, form that he possibly can. Maybe not statistically, no. but from a from – a, uh, uh, leadership standpoint, he absolutely has the intangibles, the tangibles, all those things have been Chris Paul, you know, sprinkling in on this young roster. Well, and especially look, looking back on Oklahoma City going into the season, I remember us and you're going, all right, you give you trade Paul George, Russ is gone, so you got Chris Paul and insert four other players here. Yeah, you know, like what the hell are you going to do with that? But proved us wrong. No, I you, mean, Daniel Gallinari, yeah. the rooster. That's yeah, true. I mean, they're making it happen with you know a. a an unknown roster, but uh-huh. they're still doing it. And for the Rockets, they definitely got to scramble and do something quick. Well, I mean, I, listen, the Russ being out thing obviously is not helping. No. no. You know, I mean, no. they would probably be maybe not 3-1. You know, it might still be 2-2, but they would be playing better. Yeah. And, I mean, last game losing by almost 10 in overtime, you know, down the stretch. 
I, I if Russ can come back in the series, perfect because he'll be the shot in the arm that this team needs. Um, but you know, it, it, it definitely has shown that. OKC can play, you know, at the next level. Well, and especially if Russ is back out on the floor, you can't double-team James Harden the entire time. Well, exactly. Time. Right. So, I mean, they've got so many storylines going on in the Western Conference. Flipping it very quickly over to the East, Toronto and Boston are set to collide. Yep. They've, yep. they've closed out their series. The Heat just closed out their sweeping the Indiana Pacers. And Milwaukee is up 3-1 on Orlando. Mm-hmm. So, any news storylines coming out of this? I mean, other than Miami, you know, and – you know, the turnaround that they're having because, I mean, they were a team that was kind of scrapping their way into a playoff position, you know, to uh, able to dominate their series. And Jimmy Butler, you know, playoff Jimmy, yeah. showing up right when he needed to because he's doing exactly what he did in Philly, oh, which yeah. is that killer mentality, you know, making his teammates realize the hard work that it takes. You know, for a guy who's never won a championship, yeah. dude has championship mentality. Oh, absolutely. And I just remember previewing the season and thinking, all right, Jimmy Butler's a great player. They got a lot of, you know, maybe younger players down there. They might eke into the playoffs at like an eight seed, bounce in the first round. But hello, here they are. They made their fifth seed, and they're in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, and Tyler Hero has the confidence oh. of, I mean. You want to talk about swagger. So, I mean, my God, that dude has not seen a shot he don't like. Yeah. And, I mean, that, and I'm saying every shot from Twitter shots to DM <laughs> shots to basketball shots. This dude, if he sees a shot, he is taking it. And good for him because he's fun to watch. It's like Kobe mentality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he definitely has that you know, mentality, and that's what they need down in Miami. Like, I hate saying it because I'm not a Miami fan. But that swag, yeah, it's but, that but, Miami Beach swagger. Absolutely. He's got that swagger in Jimmy Butler's work ethic down Dun- there. Duncan Robinson, you know, is a quiet, under-the-radar player that gets things done. Yeah. You know, statistically, I think he was shooting, like, the highest percentage from three going, uh, you know, mm-hmm. finishing the playoff or the bubble regular season um so he's playing well and then obviously yeah i can't i cannot say enough my growth and love of jimmy butler no jimmy Butler. from this time in philly to now this dude has shown me that if there is anybody to that really has that mamba mentality that like everybody likes to talk about yeah no it's him it's him yeah, and he, I mean, you know, everybody wants to give it to Kawhi and all those things, and Kawhi's yeah. a very obviously a tremendous player, Great player, but but Jimmy Butler literally is the difference between being ousted in the first round in Philadelphia mm-hmm. to then sweeping a very good Indiana Pacer team. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely, and like I say, I hate seeing him in Miami because. I mean, their fan base, we, we see it as uh, not exactly the best one for basketball. Fucking, they're not even – yeah. they're such an afterthought. Yeah, no. exactly. But, I mean, if this was 2000 or 1998, 1999, 2000, I would – oh, I would hate Jimmy Butler. Yeah, you know what I mean? Same but, here, but now they're such an after – I mean, the Knicks are so bad, I don't even know if we have any rivals anymore besides Brooklyn. Yeah. I would just hope we could pull off a trade for oh, Jimmy Butler. Boston, yeah. because it's Boston. No, I They don't even register. They beat the Knicks by 30 every night anyway. Yeah. It don't even matter. No, our rival is Brooklyn. We're uh, gonna that's take it. That's year. the only focus I have is Brooklyn. Exactly. And if you think you're getting Popovich, go put another little green leaf into a thing and roll that and smoke it because you are out of your fucking mind. I didn't even want to address that. but I, I don't. Yeah, I had to bring it up. That, that's, yeah. that is the most asinine. If you think that Greg Popovich wants to leave his cozy – Nice situation that he has in San Antonio where they cater every magical whim that he has to go deal with a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Durant situation and and the and the media mm-hmm. of Brooklyn. You're fucking nuts. Yeah. You're nuts. Yeah. It's- like the guy who literally gives interviews that are shorter than Bill Belichick, you think he wants to come deal with the media of New York? And that's hard to do. 
Ch- yeah. There, there's no chance in hell this happened. <laughs> no I mean, especially no way, especially with wasn't there, there. I think there was a game towards the end of the bubble where like he just didn't coach. He, no. he, he was on the bench and he gave his input when needed be. But I forget who his assistant coach is. Becky Hammond. Thank yeah, you. He, Becky yeah, Hammond. He, he let Becky Hammond coach the game yeah. just because he felt like it. Yeah. The, the, only time, the only, time, only time I've ever seen that was when Joe Torre was managing the Yankees and it was like the last game of the season and they had everything locked up. And it's like, all right, who wants to manage today? My yeah. my my. Greg Popovich's goals. Oh, yeah. Like my love affair for this man is insane. I I know a lot of people don't like him because of the way that he acts towards the media and how he can oh, be. It's great. I love it. I my I aspire to be like that someday. One of my, just that cynical and that oh, much yeah. of an asshole that you can get away with it. That's fantastic. One of my all time favorite Popovich moments was when Shaq was with the Phoenix Suns and he fouled Shaq. Five seconds, not maybe not even five seconds into the new NBA season. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 it was on an ESPN broadcast. You can look up the video on YouTube, and it was on ESPN broadcast. And and I believe it was uh, Green or whatever uh, the announcer there was like, "Did we did we have a hack a shack already?" And the, and then they just cut to Popovich with a smug smirk on his face, giving both thumbs up as he looks at Shaq. I mean, yeah, Pop- Popovich is gold, but he, there's no chance he's leaving San Antonio. No, not a chance. No, no he, he will graciously retire there for what he's built down there. there. There's not a chance. So this this whole him to Brooklyn idea, unless Stop. he's going there to play. Wishful thinking, but yeah, with the Spurs, that's, that's definitely not happening. So many storylines coming out of the NBA bubble right now. But what's your favorite playoff series going on right now? This is the question we're posing to you, ODPH Society. So hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPH. We gave you a lot of NBA stories to talk about, so hit us up. Let us know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Liz. Hey, this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast and time to run the ropes. It's pro wrestling talk here on the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. lot to recap from the land of the WWE this mm-hmm. past weekend. If you were following us on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast and you should be following if you're not, make just do it right now. We gave you live reaction coverage to all the WWE action, NXT TakeOver 30, and WWE SummerSlam. So we are going to give you our recap here on the ODPH because we got Coach Duffy in studio, Padawans, yep. ready to t- rock and roll with it. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so we're going to start with NXT TakeOver 30, which took place this past Saturday. Uh, opened up with Fandango and Tyler Breeze uh, defeating Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. Thoughts on that, Coach? Uh, I like Breeze and Fandango, so I'm glad they won. It was a good opening match. You know, good to get the crowd, quote-unquote, in this case, the audience at home going. 
I am such a Danny Birch and uh, Oni Lorcan fan. I was I was sad, but I was also happy to see Fandango win because I mean, it, it's the number one tag team contender title mm-hmm. you know ranking. So interesting to see that they got it. So we'll see yeah. where they kind of go with that. Yeah. Uh, after that was Finn Balor defeating Timothy Thatcher. Ouch. That's what I will say. I just I'm glad to see Finn win. You know, Finn Balor, one of my favorite wrestlers. But sure. What the fuck are they doing with him down at NXT? I realize they put, might have put him down there for a ratings bump, you know, when uh, that was a huge thing going on between AEW and NXT. But since his time been down there, he's contended for the. I had to look this up uh, on ProFightDB.com. He contended for the NXT Championship back at the in mid December with Adam Cole, and he lost. Then you know he he defeated Keith Lee for the North American Championship. But it was a disqualification, so no title change. Uh, you know, and then he was in the, the ladder match for the contendership for the uh, North American Championship at, at TakeOver and didn't get anything. So what the fuck are they doing with him? See, my opinion on this is, one, this was a hard-hitting match. This was very technical. It wasn't anything to really, you know, write home about. But it was a great match. Like, oh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Finn in NXT is a star name that they need to compete with with AEW. That's why he's down there. Sure. Well, and, and I can't. I can't also help but think if you think back to one of the early episodes of uh, Corey Graves after the Bell podcast, if you listen to that, mm-hmm. where I think the first interview he did was with Triple H, and he was talking about, and this was right when they were announcing or uh, the the three shows were going against each other at Survivor Series. And one of the things Triple H said on that podcast is, oh, this is going to be, you know, we're all on the same level now. You might see guys going from Raw or SmackDown down to NXT. You know, if if they don't have anything for you on Raw or SmackDown, we'll take you for six months or whatever it is. Figure out some, you know, figure out a, a program for you and we'll use you until it's your time to go back up. I can't help but wonder now if they, if he wasn't talking about Finn. Where oh, I fully they, think it was. Where he took time off. Obviously, he got married, in case you didn't know. Got married, did the whole honeymoon thing. Uh, debuted, uh, re debuted on NXT and has since done nothing. I can't help but wonder if, if he wasn't the case Triple H was talking about where they didn't have anything for him on main roster. Vince didn't know what to do. So Triple H just said, hey, we'll take him for maybe eight, nine months or whatever it ends up being, and then he'll go back up. Well, if I may, I yeah. mean, yeah. I think the... I think the problem was is that he was getting lost in the shuffle on the main roster. Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, although he might look like a million bucks and conduct himself like a million bucks, at the end of the day, he's probably at best six foot a hun- to 105 pounds mm-hmm. at most. Um, so going against, at the time, Brock Lesnar, who was your world champion, yeah. difficult. You know, and when you're talking about, you know, believability and storyline-wise, you know, especially without having heaters or being a heel, which, you know, Vince always just saw him as being a face, you know, you, you, it makes it difficult, you sure. know, to to put him in a program with sure. somebody and make sure. it believable. Um, so on the flip side of that, putting him in NXT, putting him against guys like Gargano, Ciampa, Cole, you know, it, it makes for great matches. It makes for great storytelling. It makes for great storylines. So I think part of it was, you know, his, you know, and maybe Triple H and Vince is seeing the bigger picture of, you know, where can we put this guy that fits? Then on top of it, you put him in the fact that, it's a name going up against AEW that helps sure. a ton. Sure, you know that carries some mm-hmm. a brain, some brand name value. Sure. Um. I but then the problem is, and like you, you know, you guys have been alluding to, they just haven't done anything with him. He's been so up and down in NXT that it's like, you know, they haven't found an, a spot for him. You know, sure. what I, mean? I mean, it's he, awkward. And he was white hot 
at the start, you yeah. know, he mm-hmm. came he came back. The heel. He, he he turned heel. The Undisputed Era tried to get him to to join them, but then he did the Bullet Club. He's in the guns. Club. Yeah. And, and oh, maybe they'll do something with that. And that never turned to fruition. I will say I'm glad they turned him heel because don't get me wrong. You know, face Finn Balor isn't the worst thing in the world, but like it, after a while, the bright smiling, hey guys, how you doing? Well, kind of thing got old on me. Well, the one thing you got to remember too is with the pandemic, they could not do the big pay per view match sure. they wanted to with Walter. Sure. And sure. albeit though, they did announce that NXT UK is coming back September 17th, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, and yes. they were teasing a little Walter situation going on. Yeah, so, sure. So I think that they were just biding time with sure. him down there. Well, I mean, but here's the problem, though, too, is that the tease of the bullet gun, bull, you know, the guns. Well, you know, you don't have any. He doesn't have any heaters with him. Well, no. well, the, the problem was, I think that that was the original plan, and then for whatever reason, they decided to do their layoffs, and Gallows and Anderson went because I, I, th- I think there was a little more to it that that was the original plan, and then I mean, when they, they were planning on using the Bullet Club, quote unquote, faction for a while, there there were rumors years ago that you were going to have the Shield versus the Bullet Club. Oh yeah, no, for, for a while. They're, I mean, I think that if they, I mean, Gals and Anderson have done shoot interviews since then, mm-hmm. and not once have brought up the idea of being paired with Finn. So I mean, I think that if these guys, if there was any inkling that they would have, they would have talked about it, and they haven't. So well, yeah. I, I think maybe, but I think the right now their point is they don't really want to talk about that aspect. Sure. Right. Because well, I, I don't think they just want to bring up Finn or AJ. That's but the, but they've talked about it, though. They've yeah. brought up AJ. They've brought up the fact that they paired him with. So I just, I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. I just don't think that that was in the cards. I think maybe they wanted to, but I just don't think it was ever going to pan out. And the problem is, is, I, you know, I listen, I like Finn just as much as you, Pat. I'm a big yeah. Finn Balor guy. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's why they put Shawn Michaels with Kevin Nash, you know, and Diesel back in the day. That's why they put Dolph with Big E. You know, these smaller guys, when you have them as heels, it's one of two things. Either they're a chicken shit heel that win by cheating, a la Seth Rollins, mm. or they're a heel with a big guy as a heater, a CM Punk with a Luke Gallows, you know, or a, a Shawn Michaels with a, a Diesel, where they can play the chicken shit heel, but sure. at the same time, they can play the tough guy because they've got that guy behind them sure. backing them up. Sure. And that's what's, Finn's, that's what's lacking with this heel, feel, this heel Finn Balor. Sure. Right. No, and I agree with you. That's why I said, like, I don't know if that was maybe in the plans, though, with Gallows and Anderson, or they had something else. But when they did all those massive releases, yeah. Yeah. I think that really threw a curveball into whatever. Because sure. you, you notice since then, he stopped doing the Bullet Club gun yeah. thing. And, and I absolutely agree. I mean, COVID obviously yeah. fucked everything that they had planned oh, up and turned everything on its head. So I think for right now, though, the fact he's still winning, especially, I was surprised he beat Thatcher. I was surprised, too, because I definitely, when I saw that, because this wasn't announced right. announced right away, it was kind of a surprise. I was like, there's no way they're going to have Thatcher lose, especially after the Riddle match. Yeah. yeah. So to see him do that, I thought was kind of crazy. And But it also kind of alludes to the fact I think they're going to get the Balor versus Walter program back up and running. Right. That'll be so good. I think they needed to have him win for that. Because yeah. once it was announced later in the show, it was like, okay, that makes sense now. Right. Yep. Uh, after that, you had the five-way ladder match for the NXT North American Championship, uh, where Damian Priest uh, defeated Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano, and the Velveteen Dream. Dangerous yeah. is how yeah. I'm going to describe this. Because there were some yeah. spots... That Gargano uh, moonsault uh, powerbomb that Velveteen took, I think, right? I'm just disappointed that Ouch. Cameron Grimes didn't go for his stomp. Or no, Cameron off. Grimes yeah, took Cam- it. Cameron Grimes yeah. took a lot of bad I, bumps. I was waiting for him to hit that like double stomp move he has off the top of the ladder because, my God, that would have been amazing. And I So back to the uh, you know Cameron Grimes taking the bad bump thing. I had asked friend of the show, George Gatton, sure. you, know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a guy Familiar. in the know 
of wrestling. You know, I asked him once. I go because one time uh, Kevin Nash was or Kevin Nash. Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens, you know, was in a ladder match, and he was taking a fuck. And Adam Cole, they just take a fuck ton of bad bumps. And I'm like, is it a situation where they're in these matches and they just they draw the short straw and they're like, damn it, it's me, I'm taking the bad bumps tonight. Like I, because I just wondered that. And George is like, it's just all in the plotting of the match, and sometimes these guys are just willing to take these bumps. I think it's a case of in the case of Adam Cole and Kevin Owens where. When they sell, it's believable. It's, right. it's not Dolph Ziggler levels of hilarity where it looks like something out of a video game. But it's not, oh, hey, you got kicked in the left knee and it looks like it should be, you know, possibly have a contusion, but you're walking perfectly fine. You know, I think it's a case of they know how to sell, they know how to sell for how long, and they make it believable. Well, I'm just like, I mean, Gargano does the same thing. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you think maybe more, it would be distributed more is all I'm trying to say. Like, you know, I, I go, I, I think back to the, uh, the, um, the tag team cell matches. Yeah. Uh, war games. War games. And I mean, Cole is taking bump after bump after oh, bump. Yeah. And you're oh, like, yeah. what did this guy do to deserve this? But sometimes that's how they steal the show. Well, but it, you know what? Oh, yeah. But not only just that, but they're willing to do it. That's so, what I mean. Yeah. And I, so obviously Bronson Reed was willing to take these moves. Ultimately, I mean, ouch, that one, the, like I said, the power bomb. The, Yikes. Power, the power bomb was a little crazy. Gargano took a real bad one. Oh, man. He almost he, ooh, tucked his, his head just in the nick of time. And especially, too, from the match he had prior on Wednesday where he came straight down on his head. Like, I thought he broke his neck. Well, and what was it? Bronson Reed came down on top of him with Candice uh, uh, oh, draped yeah. all over him. Yeah. Which I'm glad that I think we were all thinking that he was going to rotate and Candice was going to come <laughs> down on top of Johnny. Thank God that didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, no, that's what I thought was going to happen. He's going to Darby Allen cough and drop him. I, you know, I will say back to the selling point. My, my last point about this. I love Johnny and I love Adam Cole selling. The only thing I don't like when they sell is there. There's always that one moment when they're in a long match or they're selling a bunch where they're lying on the ground. Their arms are like half tucked under their body and they got that like cross-eyed look on their face and it's like all right they're overdoing it here a little bit yeah yeah I, but it was a great match overall yeah. i mean i i like the fact uh you know um damien priest. damien priest being able to play the tall guy you know there was the one camera shot where i think it was velveteen dream was or maybe it was gargano was almost at the top mm -hmm. and the camera angle was like really zoomed in sure. and then all of a sudden you just saw you know priest's head oh, like yeah. emerge like almost as if he was standing straight up yeah and then you saw like the look of oh my god i've been caught you know like that's fun that's just good storytelling um and I thought, you know, Gargano looked great in the match as the heel. He was awesome um, playing that up. Um, and I just overall, and Priest winning, yeah, I, definitely Priest the winning. right direction. Absolutely. Um, I could have, I, I saw uh, Bronson also. A couple times I was like, oh, he's got this. You know, the, he's definitely, he's going to win this. And then, you know, got caught and then somebody else knocked him off the ladder. But it was really, really overall for a match that's been done a million times was fresh and it felt good. Also, greatest finger point photo with Triple H uh, and Damian Priest. <laughs> oh, in, my God. In history, if you haven't seen that, look that picture up. And also, Joey Janela just continues to lose. Yeah. Look that up. Yeah. That's, <laughs> we'll talk about that at another point. <laughs> Going on the card, though, probably the most hyped-up match of the night. Very polarizing amongst the panel. Yeah. Adam Cole. Bay Bay. Bay versus Pat McAfee. Uh -huh. Wow. I Good for Pat McAfee, man. Dude went in there and just obviously had been putting in work. 
training, bumping, you know, learning the ropes, so to speak. Sure. Because the dude went on and put a solid match together. I'll say possibly the best debut for a non-wrestler. I was just going to say, for a celebrity match, he really, really went all in. Because I'll admit, you know, I was kind of invested just because I'm familiar with McAfee. I like watching some of his videos. And I like Adam Cole. He's probably next to Finn Balor, my second favorite wrestler on NXT. I was kind of like, all right, we'll see how this goes. You know, and once they got going, especially there was that one spot where they were on the top rope, Cole knocked McAfee down, and then he just one leap up to the top rope. I was like, okay. You know, I, and I've got to admit, I was very impressed with how it went, especially for, you know, he's not he's new at this. He hasn't really been doing it for a while outside of maybe in his living room as a kid. Yeah. You know, I was very impressed. And then the story comes out that, you know, they didn't rehearse any of it. That, that they, ju- they just went in there and they did what they wanted to do. Wild. Yeah, hearing that fact, I was not a huge fan of this match. I will say, though, I am happy that I'm Cole won. Sure. sure. I, I, yeah. was, I was very impressed with Pat McAfee, well, uh, more so than I thought I was going to be. So I, my theory of Undisputed Era turning... On Cole, I had read through one of the, you know, wrestling, you know, magazines or whatever. So I was like, man, maybe I got some legs to this. Maybe I was onto something. So I, de- I went in like waiting for Undisputed Era to show up. And sure. They didn't. No. It was just a straight up one-on-one match, which is awesome. Well, no, wasn't there that one point, though, in the match where uh, McAfee's, McAfee's guys him. came out and then Cole's guys came out and McAfee climbed to the top and did the moonsault yeah, did or whatever. Yeah, on there. Right, but I'm saying more of like a uh, oh, a schmage where gotcha. it was going to be like, you oh, know. the ref got bombed and then, yeah. yeah like uh, an interference from Undisputed yeah, 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 Era yeah, yeah, that gotcha. either helped or cost gotcha, Cole the match type gotcha. situation. Yeah. Like I said, for overall, like this didn't do anything for me. I it, it was very forgettable. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Was better, right. But it was better than I thought it was going to be. The dude took Panama Sunrise. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Talk about like not pushing the needle for you. I mean, Ken, the guy took a fucking bump that like I I, I don't think but, there'd be any other celebrity coming in for their first match that would see a highlight of that move and be like, yeah, I'm willing to do that. No, no, yeah. I, which which I, like I said, I'll give him credit for. Like, okay, I, like I, I was I was more impressed hearing that he didn't do this when they rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing that kind of stuck out. But it's also something that I'll take away from it too. Because we did mention this on the live stream. Sure. The match went too long. Yes. yes. Uh, according to, agreed. According for, to ProFightDB.com, uh, 16 minutes and 12 seconds. Yeah, like it went way yeah. too long for a guy that's never wrestled before against a guy that was an NXT champion alone for over a year plus. Sure. that's I, That was kind of the only thing. I was like, yeah. why is this lasting yeah. so long? But I understand why. Like I said, didn't really write anything home for me about it, but I get it. And if McAfee's going to wrestle from here on out, Okay, let's see where we go. Yeah, from it's here. definitely going to lead to more from from him in the WWE. All right. Yeah. Uh, after that was the NXT Women's Championship match where Io Shirai defended her belt in by defeating Dakota Kai. Not going to lie, I did not catch this one because I went to the bathroom. All right. Well, I did catch this one. Um, this was it was okay. Okay. Uh, timing was off though a little bit though. Yeah. For yeah. this, like they they yeah. were they were it wasn't it wasn't as crisp. As it, it should have been. Yeah. Um. I, I nothing against the two competitors because I, I do like both of them. I yeah. think Dakota Kai yeah. has been amazing as a heel. Yeah. yeah. Shirai is always great, but this one just it felt off. No, this certainly yeah. wasn't a. I had to go because it was a women's match situation. Right. It was a either I go now or I'm gonna be in an uncomfortable position yeah. later yeah. on. No, you know no. what I'm saying? So yeah. I went now. <laughs> yeah. No, very good match. I I like Shirai and I like yeah. I like Dakota and it's like we said on the show. Was it too early for Dakota to be in this position? 
Probably, but yeah. I mean, you know, what else do they have on the, that roster right now to put in against Shirai? Yeah, no, a very good match. You know, I will say I think Io Shirai is one of, if not the best, uh, heel female on the on the Raw in WWE. Mm-hmm. Her as a heel is just awesome. Yeah, since she's changed her character, she's been great. Does the best moonsault in all the business. Oof. I will say her last entrance music with uh, what the heck was the girl? Poppy. Poppy. That, uh, that entrance music was better. Yeah. So this one, though, like I say, uh, pretty easy, straightforward. And yep. where they're going to go from this, I don't know if they're teasing Ripley or uh, I know Rich's take from 3FN is uh, Mercedes Martinez. That's, okay. That's, uh, the Mercedes Martinez seems more likely just because wasn't – who did Ripley, like, have a stare down with? I thought it was Shirai as you came out at – No, Ripley had a stare down with some – whoever Dakota comes out with. Oh, Raquel um, yeah, Gonzalez. Yeah, Ripley had a stare down with her. I, it was either on NXT or it was during that show. Ripley had a stare down. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's I think that's where Ripley's going next. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I wouldn't doubt, though, down the line we get Shirai yeah. and Ripley one more time. Yep. And then to the main event. Mm-hmm. For the NXT Championship, you had Keith Lee uh, defending his belt against Karrion Cross. But surprise, 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 Karrion Cross defend- defeated uh, Keith Lee to become your and new NXT Champion. Yeah, I mean, like we said on the show that we, I mean, I feel like most of us said that we feel like Keith Lee is going to show up on Raw or had a feeling that he was going to be there. And if he lo- lost, mm-hmm. then that was going to be the definitive direction. Um yeah, I, w- I mean, what can you say? Karrion Cross obviously has been built up to be an absolute killer, so yeah. you can't have him lose clean or you know in any real way outside of a schmaz then or, or hurt you know take the chances of hurting his character. So yeah, I mean, pretty straightforward, decent match, not very long. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, according to ProfightDB.com, twenty-one minutes and fifty seconds. God, really which feel will like that it. Like, which yeah. would make it by about thirty seconds the longest match in the man. Match. It did not feel long did not at feel all. Like that. It felt it, very it was, short. It was thirty about, and I'm rounding here. Uh, the ladder match was twenty-one minutes and twenty-three seconds. See, ladder man. match felt longer to me. Yeah, it felt way longer. I remember watching the ladder match being like, "Damn, this is getting some time," and then watching the main event being like. The fuck happened? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I I think the entire pacing of that main event, like I said, I thought it started off strong. They were really going after each other, and yeah. then they slowed down, and they really slowed down. Like a lot of rest holds. Well, that was probably post the uh, potential injury. Yeah, with Karen yeah. Cross did separate his shoulder. As yep. we're reading reports, he's saying he's not going to miss any time, which is nuts. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that put Finn on the shelf for nine months. Yeah, so, so yeah. I, I don't. Well, I mean, he's champ right now, so who knows what's going to happen? Cause yeah, obviously, when he pulled off the win, and it just felt like. How the match ended, too, was just like, wait, did that happen? Yeah. yeah it was my, a surreal my, moment. My reaction was, oh, okay. Yeah, like it just it wasn't like the – I know we mentioned this on the stream, too. It wasn't like the Brock Lesnar being Undertaker streak no, moment. No, right, where we were but, like gasping, but it was like, wait, did it just end? Well, like, I mean, Keith Lee has been built up as such, you know, the the you know, the – world beater you know i mean like nothing was going to take him down and then all of a sudden you know his first title defense and he's taken down now obviously he's a you know superstar in the waiting oh yeah you know and obviously being put into a program with randy orton you know the next night on raw shows the investment that they've made in him however you know this loss on a on you know nxt and his first title defense clean you know, with nothing, you know, from Scarlet. Yeah. Interesting. It was an interesting take on it. Like I said, I was really just lackluster, didn't do anything for me. The fact Keith Lee got beat, and it almost seemed too easily, mm-hmm. which I understand if you're trying to put over cross, but it, it didn't come across that way. No, like, it no didn't. It didn't come off as, it did not come off at all in that way. No, no, it just felt very 
lackluster, very like I thought. Actually, I thought Keith Lee got injured when it ended like that. I was like, wait, what? I my problem is is like. You know, if you're going to – for Keith Lee, like, to then put him on Monday, wouldn't it have made more sense just to throw the fucking kitchen sink at him yeah. and have Scarlett interfere, interfere a shit ton yeah. to the point where he's distracted and then all of a sudden Karrion Cross hits his finisher and it's still – you know, his finisher is, you know, just a goddamn backbreaker. So it's like, you know, yes, okay, it would – or back suplex. Like, yes, it would have been – uh, you know, a bad look on Keith Lee to lose clean to the backbreaker or the, you know, back suplex. But at the same time, you know, Karen Cross, this strong, you know, bull able to lift Keith Lee up and hit him with his finisher. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, so it would have worked on both ends. It would have worked on both ends, but I think what they wanted to do is just have a finite end. Yeah. That I think that there was any. Right. They didn't want to lead any to potential, sure. yeah, you know, sure. Keith Lee might sure. get a rematch. But then it would have made maybe his debut on Monday that much more special. Yeah, no, I agree I with mean, that. Like, I don't know. Because when it was announced the next night on, on SummerSlam that Keith Lee was going to be appearing on Raw, that was a huge moment, but it made a lot of sense of how this ended. Because, like I said, for me, this really hurt the show. Like, I just, like, I was so, like, winds deflated about it. And you know what, though? And uh, just to go on that Keith Lee thing a little more, I, SummerSlam, the Raw after SummerSlam, almost as in, in a way is like a WrestleMania yeah. Raw, you know? To I mean, a lesser degree, A yeah. big pay-per-view, uh, you know, the big Raw after a big pay-per-view, you know, you're setting up stuff for the next storyline. Wouldn't it have made more sense to make Keith Lee a surprise? Yes. And you just yes. had the whole thing with him and Drew. Yes. You know, where you've been talking about the two of them and Evolve and how, you know, if it wasn't for their matches, neither one of them would have been signed. Wouldn't it have made more sense for Randy to kick the punt on him, go out, cut the promo, surprise, here's Keith Lee coming to save his friend. Well, I think the only reason they did that is they wanted to get a big rating spike. I, th- I definitely, yeah, I th- yeah. I definitely that's think the that's reason. the reason because Keith Lee, ever since his performance at the Survivor Series, where folks who didn't know the name know the name and are, were real excited oh, for huge, him, yeah. mm-hmm. with ratings as bad as they are for multiple weeks in a row, the show needs a shot in the arm. Underground may not be it, <laughs> but ha- having Keith Lee finally show up that fans have been itching for since Survivor Series might be it. We'll see. Yeah. Well, the I ratings mean. definitely did. I actually, I want to say that Raw did clear two. Hey. Uh, a million okay. this past week. Um, okay. But overall, final thoughts on TakeOver before we get into uh, SummerSlam. Uh, well, I mean, real. I, and I texted you guys about this. You know, it's so funny. The, the crowd, you know, was the same crowd that had been for Raw and SmackDown. You know, the wrestlers not being used on NXT tapings, you know, in the crowd. But you almost felt a level of sincerity in their cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, like they weren't being overproduced like they do on Raw and SmackDown. You know, where we were to the point where it was like, you know what? Just get rid of them. They're not bringing anything to the show other than a distraction. This crowd felt genuinely into it. Like almost as if they were told, like, just react. Enjoy the show and react. Right. And it, it came off that way. So I really enjoyed this NXT. I, I take over. Obviously, it's not going to be one of the better ones we've ever seen, but I definitely put it up there. Uh, I mean, overall, maybe like a 6.7. Okay. I thought it was all right for what it was. You know, nothing special. Not the best thing they have ever done. Not the worst they've ever done. But it was okay. Yeah, I gave it a uh, 2.5 out of 5. Like, I thought the card was average. Like, it didn't really stand out for a takeover event. Like, right. I figured it was going to be a lot better, a lot more. I just didn't really feel that with this. So, 
that being said, I just felt it was like an average uh, takeover at best. Sure. But even an average takeover is better than a lot that we see from other shows. Sure. So I'll take it as a win. But the next night, though, we were still gifted with some wrestling. Yeah. Uh, a little better show, I would say. The yeah. Thunderdome. So break it down for us, Pat. Yeah, so that was SummerSlam, which took place uh, last or two nights ago as we record. Uh, first match was uh, for the United States Championship, Apollo Crews defending his belt against MVP. Meh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nothing really rough him about. Yeah. That. Nope. Uh, after that was uh, the first of two matches for Asuka, where she took on Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And Bailey, through some heel tactics uh, from one Sasha Banks, uh, won and defended her belt against Asuka. This went exactly how we thought it was going to go. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, good match. Yeah, but yeah, just good exactly match. how we thought it was good. Go. Good match, but nothing really right home about. I mean, this was pretty straightforward. And like I said, Bailey as a heel has been on point, and and Oscar has definitely been the superstar right now of the COVID era. And we knew that Bailey was going to win her title, yep. and then that lead to the next match. So yeah. Uh, after that was the match for the Raw Tag Team Championships with the Street Profits defending their belts against Andrade and Angel Garza. I did not like this match. I just. Shortest, well, second shortest match of the night. Uh, shortest was the Apollo Crews match. This one, according to ProfightDB.com, eight minutes. Yeah, it felt rushed. They never felt like they had timing down. I Garza and Umberto, um, you know, they or not Umberto on Hell. Hell split them up. Yeah, on Hell well, should they, be. They've been teasing splitting up that faction for long enough. I know. Just pull the trigger. Just let him be a singles guy. He was so much better being a single guy with Zelina. Than in this ragtag feeling faction that almost just feels forced at this point. I think the problem that you had, and I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. They need to break up Garza and Andrade. Like that just needs to go. Like, yeah. put, like I, honestly, I would send uh, Angel Garza to SmackDown. I keep Andrade on Raw. Yeah, and you know, have Selena manage them both from separate shows. I think that would make a lot more sense. Because them as a tag team, I know when they were doing the faction and whatever was going on with Austin Theory involved, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It just hasn't carried over since Paul Heyman left. Right. Like, there's no storyline behind it. Plus, they also telegraphed it very much when they had the whole poisoning angle, which I guess now they're yeah. trying to say really wasn't Zelina, if you buy any I, of that nonsense, but I don't no. even care. The Street Profits haven't gotten their fair due as uh, tag team champions. They haven't gotten a real contenders to really push them. Right. I'm sorry, the Viking Raider comedy act is not really doing anything. Nope. No, I mean. This has been a filler t- feud at best. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their kind of track record, uh, they won the tag team championships from Murphy and Seth Rollins back in March. Uh, they faced them uh, the following week on Monday Night Raw. They defeated Angel Garza and Austin Theory uh, twice for the championships. Which were bad. They yeah. uh, they beat the Viking Raiders uh, for the, the belts back in June. I don't even count that. And then, I just want to erase it from my memory. And then, obviously, there was last night's uh, matchup. Yeah, so they, they, need, they, they faced, like, two teams. They need a team to come in, a heel team. I don't know, maybe the Hurt Business, who has a three-man faction, yeah. to come in and just actually push them to push over this, this kind of, you know, I don't want to say stagnant, but yeah. it's just... It is stagnant. This, yeah, it's just this... this holding pattern that they've been in and they need a heel tag team to come in and actually push them and especially if you remember the words of one mvp from a couple of monday night raws ago where quote business is a booming uh if business is a booming why are you only focusing on one person well that's the question they're gonna have to and answer. i'm not counting raw underground and i'm still saying this i'm not throwing the idea out completely that you don't see cedric alexander and ricochet both sure. join the hurt business and that's your tag team to push them i'd be perfectly fine i with mean that. just somebody it needs to be a heel Yes. Tag team that comes in that actually 
forces their will upon them and not just sure. a team that kind of is there just to, to fall down on their backs, yeah, you know? Yeah, because that's the problem. They don't have a good tag team division right now in no, and Raw. very true. And it's very evident. It's nothing against from the Street Profits. They no, just, it's they, just they, they have nothing to work with. They have, no. nothing, they have nothing to work with. So even like making an open challenge and start bringing teams in to fight them, I think it would be a smart say, say It's not like the case of a couple of years ago where you had New Day on SmackDown and really didn't have anybody else to go up against uh, other than Usos. Yeah. Because <laughs> Usos could cover a lot of bases. Yeah. You know, yeah. They hide a, you know, having those two match up, Huck hides a lot of the fact that SmackDown back then didn't have a lot of tag teams. Oh, absolutely, but obviously injuries. I had have like really five straight hurt. matches. Yeah. yeah, but injuries have hurt. I mean, the Usos are out. AOP is out. Yep. New Day with Xavier Wood or Kofi. Yeah, Kofi too. I mean, they I mean, there's just so many different moving parts that they don't have to work with. Right. That's really hurting the product in that aspect. Right. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens. Yep. Uh, after that, you had Mandy Rose taking on Sonya Deville in a no disqualification loser leaves WWE match where Mandy Rose defeated Sonya Deville. Should note, WWE kept their ducks in a row and moved Sonya to the uh, what was it? Um, alumni page. Alumni page on their website. Can we say? F you, Dave Meltzer. Yes. Uh, for the comments that he made about you know them not holding to the stipulation. I mean, the woman's in a court case, and her lawyer suggested that she not shave her head to not look, seem, or act distressed. Yeah, fair, F- uh, fair point. Yeah. Fuck you. I yeah. mean, there's real life shit going on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a cornet style line. Like, yeah. Grow up. I mean, I don't care that the stipulation won't stick. I'd much rather her be feeling confident and secure in her court case outside of the wrestling ring then have to deal with that in the aftermath. So the match was what it was, and the right person won, and Otis came out, and they celebrated and did the whole thing. Great. Grow up. Well, and I I thought after after SmackDown last week where at first you had Mandy come out and go, oh, you know, we should, you know, willing to put this behind us, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, okay, given current circumstances, they're going to write this match off of the card. Which also would have been perfectly fine. fine. I'm seeing this highlight going, totally get that, totally understanding, given what she's just gone through. Both of them. Both Both of them them went through. But what they just both went through and and are still dealing with shouldn't be wrestling a match if they want to. I understand that, but I can understand them writing it off. You know, but to no, to your point, yeah, yeah. No, dumb remark. Yeah, with everything going on, the fact they still had this match, I was very surprised at, and they did give it its all. Yeah, uh, you know, well, good, for, good for them, though, to continue in the match. I bet you it was probably a sense of normalcy that they both absolutely. desperately needed. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, though, Mandy Rose definitely looked like she struggled in the street fight area yeah mm-hmm. i mean obviously with the whole table setting up that was kind of off and her v trigger knees which she usually <laughs> nails like that's yeah. her strongest his her strong suit was off completely otis and he also needs to get her to work on her worm dance at the end oh yeah that was not great she was a little brutal in it but you know what the match did what it had to um you know obviously sony's got to take care of some business outside of the ring yep i am fully expecting her to come back i mean the rumor is um you know, she's not completely done with wrestling, which I there was some rumor going around about that, that she was done Why? completely. Yeah. No, it's like she's put on some of her best work as of late. Like, it's one of the bright spots on SmackDown. And trust yeah. me, there isn't a lot to write home about right. SmackDown. Some of, some of her promos have been absolute. I mean, of the women, of the women's division, her promos have been some of the better ones that have been in this last year. Yeah. So, obviously, she's got to take some time away to go handle some legal business, and we wish her the best with that, too. Yeah. Listen, and get get home straight first and then come back. Yeah, come and back. Time away can do you wonders. Yeah. And I mean, and I know this was posted, I can't remember what Twitter account said, 
don't be too surprised if she comes back at the Royal Rumble and wins the thing. And I said, you know what? I'd be perfectly fine with that. Sounds good to me. She comes back and kicks somebody's fucking ass. I'm down for that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Sonya Deville. Yeah. So that being said. Yep. After that was uh, Seth Rollins taking on Dominic Mysterio in a street fight with Seth Rollins defeating Dominic Mysterio. Coach. I mean, it was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what really to say. I mean, it was a street fight for a reason or no DQ match for a reason. So, yeah. you know, they could kind of protect Dominic's, yeah. you know, uh, lack of prevalence in the ring yeah. for being his first time in a, you know, huge match like that. The kid held his own. Mm-hmm. You know, he hit a really good looking frog splash, oh, yeah. which came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't forget, like, this is the first. I mean, obviously, he's probably worked outside, you know, with his dad and probably did some sure. selfless stuff going into this. Sure. But, I mean, the dude worked his first match at SummerSlam. How many other people can say that their first match was one of the big four pay-per-views? Exactly. And yeah. carried their own, yeah. you know? So yeah. good for him. I you know I, I say well, not not the best match in the world, but I, he, it was a great match, he, especially on Dominic's end of things, where this was, to our knowledge, his first professional wrestling match. And, and, you know, WWE did a great job of pairing him with Seth Rollins, which was probably one of the best choices to pair him with. Correct. Because mm-hmm. for a lot of faults and a lot of mistakes Dominic might make, Seth can cover them in spades. Yeah. And, and Seth can make anybody look like a million goddamn dollars. You know, that being said, Dominic, great job. I don't understand why the hell they kept hyping the hell out of, oh, it's been 15 years since Dominic was on SummerSlam and his dad was fighting for his custody. Like, okay, we get it happened, but do you got to keep harping on the damn thing? Well, because, I mean, they wanted to tie back to that. Yeah. And, and a lot of this had, I mean, it's the 15-year anniversary of sure. that match. So sure. they were trying to bring back that 05 sure. SummerSlam. I mean, yeah. uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pitchard. Yeah. That was this episode. Sure. This past week was 05 SummerSlam. Sure. Um, I just move Seth on. I yeah. don't. I don't need. It. I mean, first off, great ring attire, Seth. Yes, that was top that was, shelf. That was good. That was real good. That was good. Um, Mysterio Halloween Havoc. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but let's move him on. Let's. I. I was. I will. I was kind of mildly interested in the matchup. I wasn't real invested in in it. They kept cutting back to his mom backstage, and I'm like, she's coming out at some point. And when when she came out, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to get interesting. Yeah, it definitely was interesting to see all the factors involved. And I mean, the match was what it was. Dominic for a debut, not the worst match ever. No, no, it was uh, very good. Definitely held his own. But Seth Rollins does make up for a lot. Yeah. So I know they've kind of extended the feud a little bit going into Monday night. Hopefully, it's a quick one and done for next mm-hmm. for payback. Um, I'm almost wondering though, are they set up for Dominic versus Ray? I know that's. I, <laughs> I mean, I, why not? I just got this odd feeling that's sure. See, I thought they might because they they had the backstage interview where Dominic was like, "Hey, don't interfere, don't interfere." Yeah, and and, and then and, during the match they kept going back to that. Don't, uh-huh. don't, don't, don't. Yeah, I thought it. I thought at some point Ray was going to interfere, help Dominic win, and then Dominic was going to get pissed at him, and then set up for a match down the road. But they didn't. No, I they, mean, I still I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's some no. sort of situation that you see them at. Uh, WrestleMania Could going be. against each other. Could be. Could definitely see that happen. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, after that was Asuka in the second of her two matches, uh, this time taking on Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship, and she uh, defeated Sasha via submission. This was, I think, one of the best matches of the night. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say hands down. I mean, Asuka and Sasha have always done great work, uh, and this was no surprise here. No. Uh, definitely the right call to make to have an Asuka win, take the belt back to Raw. Very back and forth, very good pacing. Like I said, very little you know to critique about it. I would say it was mm-hmm. wrong. I mean, I again, we saw Bailey winning and then Sasha losing because Bailey 
didn't help. So this just goes along in that storyline that will inevitably lead to Sasha and Bailey wrestling at, you know, fill in the blank big pay per view. Yeah. So it's like Sasha continues her uh, streak of winning, which the, is fucking nuts. Winning the championship and then immediately losing it uh, on her next defense. Yeah, so I just don't get that. I, I don't get it either, but you know what it is. It, what is, it what is what it is. Yeah, it's just part of the, it's, it's just one of those it's weird wrestling. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that you know everybody lost in their hometown, but Punk. You know, it's just one of those things. It's true. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after that, for your co-main event of the night, uh, it was for the, for the WWE Championship. You had Drew McIntyre defeating Randy Orton. Coach, your thoughts on this? So I, <laughs> I actually really liked this because it kept Randy strong. Yeah. The backslide finish, you know, after the missed uh, boot, mm-hmm. I thought was fresh. I really liked it. It gave something for Randy to, you know, hey, listen, you snuck one on me. You're not going to do this again. And it gave Drew the uh, an aspect of, I, you know, I'm smart. I'm just smart. You know, like I'm smarter than you. Mm-hmm. I thought I had, you know, I, I was quick on my feet and I caught you. So, and it's just, you know, it's similar to like a UFC situation where, you know, a guy, you know, who might be an underdog or might not necessarily be up on the match, you know, the guy who's at the advantage might make, you know, a slip and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're able to catch him and they finish him. So that's what I felt like this was. It was just the champion able to think on his feet and utilize his skills to get a win. Yeah, no, it was a good match. I was a little disappointed just in the aspect of Drew McIntyre promised he was going to take Randy's bleeping head off yeah for everything he did i was kind of hoping that he would you know i was hoping for a claymore kick that would you know so to speak knock his head about eight rows deep into the thunderdome but didn't get that but hey maybe that'll happen at some point i thought it was an okay match like i liked it i wasn't i wasn't in love with it as much as other people have been like i see your point with it yeah and i thought that the ending was interesting because i I wasn't expecting it not at all i either thought a randy win or you know, uh, uh, Drew boot, you know, yeah. and the backside was definitely not seen. Yeah, definitely through a curveball. I mean, I thought the pacing was a little a little slow at times, but I understand what they were trying to do with it looking back at and it. And I like think I, those two aren't going to have the, you know, quick pace. I mean, they're no. obvi- that's not the kind of wrestler Randy's been no, for years. No, no, so. no, and that's the one thing, too. I wasn't sure how, what we were going to get out of Drew. Yeah. And Drew definitely held his own. Um, It was just maybe like the clash of styles, I guess. Was yeah. Really kind yeah. Of, like, and that's a, fair, that's a fair thing. Yeah, it kind of took me out of it. Like, But I'm not saying it was a bad match no because no. but i just seeing like how people were saying like this was the like one of the greatest matches of it all was time <laughs> it I, was really good it, but not it was, great it was yeah. good but i'm like this is not steamboat savage this yeah, is not no. taker <laughs> michaels like calm down and i think the thing is is that it really caught people by surprise for you know obviously the finish yeah. and the fact that you know a lot of people just pegged Randy to win because the you yeah. know the message boards and the you know the the writers had said that they're setting up for Randy versus Edge uh at WrestleMania and that didn't happen so i think a lot of people were thrown off by that and you know had a solid match together it's just yeah. again the the styles clash i mean Drew needs to be working with you know, if not, you know, a bigger guy like Brock, it needs to be somebody, a Seth Rollins style guy who can take bumps for him and or Dolph, yeah. who can take bumps for him and mm-hmm. make him look like a million bucks. Yeah. But when you put him in there with Randy, who's not going to bump around, who's not going to sell a ton, it it doesn't look good. You know? No, it definitely didn't. Like I said, it's just the aesthetics for it. Like I said, it wasn't a bad match. It's not like I don't want anybody thinking that. But for me, like I wasn't as blown away by it mm-hmm. as a lot of other people. Like I thought, I was like, all right, well, this this was okay. Yeah. yeah. So, 
But yep. still retaining was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and for the main event, you had uh, uh, Braun Strowman uh, taking on Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship uh, in a Falls Count Anywhere match. And you had Bray win to become your and new uh, Universal Champion. You want to talk about slow plotting and style clashing and there was pace a, setting. <laughs> there was one silver lining to the Well, two, maybe. Silver linings to this match, the the second of which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. The first of which there was no red light. Yeah, they they stopped doing the red light. Thank God. Yeah. That, well, um, I don't think they could with the Thunderdome. Yo, that's true. Uh, no Vince, they'd find a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, I just I don't think they can because I was I was also thinking about this too. Was you know during the laser, you know when people have lasers mm-hmm. that shoot around or spotlights, you saw that they changed the. You know, Thunderdome, Thunderdome videos from the crowd to you know oh, the, yeah. the Titantron because I don't think you know if the camera would or if the laser was shot into that screen, what it would have either done to the person at home yeah. or the uh, video board itself. So you saw that they kind of did some workarounds, which see, I don't. Know I'm glad no red light. I don't know if yeah. it had anything to do with the fans at home because I saw a video today, which was from somebody who was fortunate enough to be said person on the video board. It, and there's audio of the director telling them to cheer because Drew McIntyre is coming out. Uh, it looked like a regular television shot that they were okay. that they were it, right. from what I the quick clip I saw. It will look like your standard television shot. Just they were being recorded because of a Zoom call, or whatever. The, however they how are they yeah, set it up? I don't know how it is. I didn't know if there was some technological thing that no. the laser would have hit the screen like it would have. I don't think you know, so. Blind their eyes or some bullshit. I don't know. Yeah, no, but this whole match is garbage. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm not a fan of this feud. I, I am very vocal about this. Uh, like for Bray, I'm glad he won the bell. Hopefully, this is done for Braun. Braun can go do something else. Uh, Storyline wise, and I think they're setting up for it after this past or this coming uh, payback or pay-per-view, uh, but the, the silver lining, though, Pat, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, so the silver lining is after the match is all said and done with, Bray's kind of sneeling there, standing there, whatever he's doing. Out of nowhere comes this individual dressed in all black, and oh my God, who is this? Oh my God, it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns came back, speared the hell out of Bray Wyatt, uh, went to the outside the ring, started beating the hell out of Braun Strowman and saying, you're not a monster without me, I made you what you are. Uh, and then went back in the ring and beat the hell out of Bray Wyatt and basically said, oh, I'm not – I forget what he said to Bray. I think he said, you're not the champ I am. Yeah, you're not the champ I am. You're like, oh, you can't handle the pressure or yeah. something to that effect. So Roman's back. Coach, your thoughts on this? So to what, my thing with this storyline with Braun and Bray was it clearly needed to be the story of I brought you into this world and I'm taking you out. should have been Bray's yeah. mantra, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Braun sh- back to that should have been – uh, no, I created my own destiny. I don't need you. That should have been the story. It should you know? have been. That would have made a lot more sense. And then when you get uh, Alexa Bliss involved, uh. that should have been then the catalyst for our hero, mm-hmm. Braun, to then try to revenge you know, his friend's you know, pain that was caused by him. Yeah. You know, like that should have been the comeuppance that Bray would have gotten. And instead, what we got was this match, which yeah. was terrible. Now, Roman's return it was great. Was great. It Pretty re- heelish. It heelish, re- though. It, it reminded me back, I forget what year it was, but it was the TLC match where he beat the holy hell out of Sheamus and Triple H. It, it reminded me a little bit of that. I think it was like 2015, 2016. Oh, yeah, somewhere, so, around there. somewhere around there. Where he lost the match and it was kind of this BS finish. 
and he just snapped and beat the holy hell out of out of Sheamus and Triple H. It, it reminded me a little bit of that. I I didn't care much for this match. I think I would have cared maybe a little bit more if if Alexa showed up, just because you've been building that aspect into the right. into the program where yeah. Bray shows up and attacks Alexa, puts the he the the glove that says he hurt on it on it and puts it in her mouth the, the deliberately man, the mandible claw with hurt on it and. Yeah. and you know, then he comes. He comes out the next week, and she's there, and, and she kind of caresses his chin, his uh, chin, and then she does an interview, which is kind of like well, I can't tell which way she's leaning on yeah, it. You know, is she for Braun or is she for Bray? I would have cared slightly more if you would have followed up on that and had her show up for whatever reason, and then you know betray Braun, betray Bray, whatever way you go with it. Like if you're gonna do that, plant that seed, have for, the payoff, have the payoff. Don't put it in there for like two, three weeks in a row, and then just do nothing with it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They they completely botched the entire storytelling of this. I mean, the whole Exolus, you know, part in this completely mishandled from top to bottom, yep. in my opinion. And the storyline, like it's like what Coach said, was exactly what should have happened. We didn't get it. We just got hot garbage. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like everything about this whole feud, I don't care about. I just hope like Alexa was just thrown in yeah. to have some appeal. That never paid off anyway. It never did anything. It was boring, and I'm just glad it's done. We got Roman with uh, apparently some dental work that everybody's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah he definitely. I listen. I mean, I'm not even gonna go in. Yeah, I, mean, I know. It's, yeah, it's just whatever. I my thing with Roman was is that he came back, and for him to go after Braun the way that he did, which Braun has been the babyface uh, champion for so long, and I mean he's played up the babyface, he's played up the vulnerability, he's done all that, you know, and and has looked. Solid as babyface, you know, mm-hmm. way more uh, than we probably thought Braun could originally have done. Yeah. Um, for Roman to go after and deliberately attack him and beat him to bl- bloody pulp, you know, with that chair, not very nice, no. Mister. No. Not very nice. Definitely something that you should have gone sat in time out for. A great new shirt from Roman, though. Wreck everyone and leave. Yeah. Oh, so I love it. I mean, if this is going to be a Roman that maybe has an edge to him. I'm all for it because I mean, obviously, up until the you know COVID and stuff, it was John Cena 2.0, which everybody's talked about. Very mm-hmm. vanilla, yeah. Very you know uh, OP, you know, super overpowered, never had to lose, you know, all this Ro- stuff. Roman's good when you don't script him. Give him the Kevin Owens treatment. Give him bullet points and say, you got to hit three these three bullet points. How you get there and where you present them up to you. Well, yeah. my thing with Roman's always been. Either make him a fucking monster and have him just wreck shit, which is believable because he is a big dude, or have him like you know be a vulnerable face in that you know you don't know whether he's going to win or not because you know these guys are taking it to him. I mean, Braun hit him with a goddamn ambulance, yeah, yeah. and he survived. Like he survived. You you can't have that stuff. Like you got to have him be one or the other. And if you're gonna have him overpowered, then you got to have him wrecking shit. Yeah, exactly. Give give him kind of like a Batman complex where he's got a line he won't cross. You know, but mm-hmm. but he'll new do what needs to be done. He will beat the holy Batman will beat the holy hell out of a person if that means get getting done what needs to be done. Give Roman the same thing. Just. Take away that line he won't cross. There's exactly. A, there's a line Roman will cross, but you got to really cross it to do it. Otherwise, have him come in. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and you can't stop me. Fully agree with that. I mean, they definitely need to do something with Roman, but this is a step in the right direction. We'll find out this Sunday at Payback how it plays out. Or this Friday. Or this Friday on SmackDown 2. Either way, we're going to see a new Roman. So let's see. Hopefully it's one of the best uh, that we've seen. Yeah. And let's sum this uh, tally up. Recap of Raw quick. What stood out? 
I would say Keith Lee yeah. debuting. Uh, changing the music. Yep, changing uh, the music and his outfit. I thought was uh, like, why, why, why break it if it's not fixed? Or, yeah, I mean, know. we don't necessarily well, know that that's going to be the gear moving forward. That might have just been for the promo sake. Well, so, hopefully, yeah. Well, and we know the music changes just because they hate having anybody sing a wrestler's theme song, uh, i.e., Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, so we'll have to kind of see if it sticks. I could see the fans really asking for it to come back. So who knows? But he's placing a great feud with Randy Orton. I yeah. know a lot of people were mad about the finish, but they're doing a slow build for that. They did not bring him up on the main roster to have him sit on the sidelines, and especially no. he's got a big profile match for Payback that's going to probably arguably main event. Uh, on next Sunday, so I just want to see if there's a way Randy can go and get put into a spirit bomb and then like midair twist into an RKO. That'd be that'd that, be dope. That, <laughs> that'd crack top five RKOs. That would definitely happen. Yeah. But other than that, I would say Raw was pretty cookie cutter. Cookie cutter. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I didn't see much out of it. No, Raw Underground. They they had a chance to really do something with Lashley versus Dolph Ziggler, but it wound up having Lashley throw him through the crowd into a wall. That was the only takeaway from it. As like if Dolph didn't sell enough. Yeah, exactly. So there's really nothing else to go there. Uh, Retribution showed up at the very end and uh, reenacted the lawn dart move with Rey Mysterio. <laughs> well, the other thing too that's interesting was they didn't attack Seth at all. Yeah. So I mean, <sighs> and I don't. Seth doesn't need any more people in this faction. No. Like, just keep it with AOP. Keep it with Murphy, and just let them go off. Well, I'd say he needs people who can stay healthy. Well, I mean, that that obviously is without saying. But like, I mean, just pairing them with, you know, what just are we are this are, bullshit that's going like this storyline? Like, it, it should have paid off at Summer. Like, it should have paid off at SummerSlam. How do done. they not show up at SummerSlam, but all of a sudden are back at Raw? Yeah, because yeah, they, they dropped that line early in the show. I think Tom Phillips was the announcer where they got they they talked about it. They didn't show anything, but they alluded to it. And they go, oh, we beefed up security for da da da. I'm like, oh, so they're showing up. Yeah, and then nothing happened. It, it was a pointless segment. I mean, albeit though, I did figure out one of the members of Retribution was Donovan Dijak. Mm. I figured that so out. So there was a tall individual. Yeah, with them. but there was also a mask adjustment that um, maybe should have oh. gone as far. That yeah, I but I on. mean that Donovan Dijak thing. I mean, he was technically written off, so they might have just been using him because he was still around right. town. You yes. know, so we're not going to see the full roster just yet. But that th- I thought I recognized him on there, and especially like he was trying to fix his mask a little bit. Like he didn't do a full turn. Like he had to really yeah, stare right. at it. Right. So it wasn't anything on his fault. But I'm like, well, he'd be a great addition to the Raw roster. But overall, Raw didn't really do anything except we did bask in Keith Lee's glory. Mm-hmm. Definitely had a good debut. I mean, obviously it didn't go the way that the internet wanted, but no. it, it was enough that he's on the main roster. He's in a main card feud that is going to go some places. So we'll have to wait and see about that. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We gave a lot of wrestling to talk about. So let us know what you thought about NXT TakeOver. Let us know what you thought about WWE SummerSlam. And let us know what you thought about Monday Night Raw. We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jordan. And, and we're, we're the, the Grief Breeder Podcast. Podcast. Why don't I want to play any of these games? Fun! <laughs> 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 Comedy, gaming, and movies. I was going to say two kids in a trench coat, but it's going to be two men in a moth suit. <laughs> All I've got is the image of you putting a net over him. Jordan! Jordan, bigger net! Bigger net! <laughs> Dr. Salvador? No, the bag- guy the bag on his head. If I tell you a name, just agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could have been like, man with bag on his head, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Ah, I'm back. My beard's gone. You look how short his face is. Fucking stop it. Tiny face! <laughs> it looks like if a tum- tumor had legs. 
Yeah, it does. It's real gross and big hands. Yeah. Do you reckon you could kill it? I reckon I could. Not you personally. But well, yeah, you said you think I could kill it. Don't fucking laugh, help me. <laughs> me tip. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you can't say tip. <laughs> Bashed me tip. <laughs> Join us every Wednesday on the Grief Burrito Podcast. Fuck. No, <laughs> no, no, I'd that was, that was <laughs> Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to kick off with the local minutes. Yeah. Feels good to say that. Yes. We had some wrestling in our 607 area, the first drive-in wrestling show in yeah. New York State. The only drive-in wrestling show in New York State. Pad, you want to break it down? Yeah, so uh, Excite Wrestling had their had a card this past weekend, uh, Saturday, uh, taking place locally in uh, at the Oakdale Mall in Johnson City. Uh, it was drive-in. Uh, I believe the one report from a local news station said there were 30 cars in attendance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, great crowd. It was very interested in how the setup was going to be just because i admittedly i've never been to a drive-in wrestling show yeah so wasn't quite sure how it was going to happen we were fortunate enough to be right by uh the wrestlers entrance uh to which i who drove the drove our group down there uh i used that to great effect uh there was one car that honked at one of the heel wrestlers who came in they didn't appreciate that so i promptly laid into my car horn pad wanted smoke uh yeah i wanted smoke and i got it good lord uh but no it was a great show overall a lot of fun you know Great atmosphere, great crowd, and some great performances. Yeah, definitely great performances. Uh, Joe Gacy, who we've seen here for many, many years, one of the founding fathers of Excite Wrestling, yep. is announced that it was going to be his last show. So we are assuming he, that he is going to one of the major federations. Which no, we, he's going to be an accountant. Yeah, well, that's a, that's another rumor that was going around. But whatever Joe is doing, we wish him good luck in his future endeavors, and hopefully we see him on Monday nights or Wednesday nights very, very soon. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the only major news for the 607. No, it wasn't. Coach, what you got? The Binghamton Bulldogs made a very big announcement with their announcement of joining the East Coast Basketball League, the ECBL, uh, for this upcoming 2021 season. And they will be starting uh, their season, I believe, starts now in January and mm-hmm. runs till April. Yes, and they are also going to be hosting their Mid-Atlantic Conference All-Star Game in June. Yes, they are. So kind of a big deal for the yeah. Bulldogs after three Very years surprising. Three years with the American Basketball Association. They're jumping ship and going to the East Coast Basketball League. Very surprising. Syracuse left, Binghamton left. Hmm. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on, but yeah, very there's, surprising. There's been there had been rumblings a long time of dissatisfaction, you ah. know, of, of the league and how it was handled. Gotcha. I mean, the ECBL plays more of, I guess, you can call it traditional basketball. Yeah, it's more of the NBA, you know, so more NBA rules. Um, I, you know, just looking at some of the teams right now that are uh, in the uh, ECBL, it looks like the Spa City Gamblers uh, followed as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, joining the ECBL, who were in the ABA last year and hmm. a team that the Bulldogs played a couple times. Um, so it'll be very interesting. I mean, you know, you're definitely going to miss those Syracuse games, you yeah. know, regardless. And I mean, they weren't going to happen next year anyway because Syracuse had left to join another basketball organization, uh, you know, league. So it's definitely uh, disappointing that they those two scared. teams. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing that those two teams won't play. But I mean, it's pretty cool to be joining this. I mean, the looks like a lot of the teams. I know that they said that some games might stretch all the way down. To, some teams have. There's some teams in Georgia, yeah. you know, all the way up to you know the Connecticut area. So it'll be interesting to see where. 
Binghamton fits on that. And, you know, what will the roster be, you know, for the upcoming season? So now they have a little later start in their year as far as, you know, having to assimilate a roster and put one together. So yeah. that will be also interesting. And uh, the season runs parallel to Division One basketball. So that's kind of cool, too. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, a lot of wild things. Like I said, we heard about allegedly dissatisfaction with the ABA, and that's why they were thinking, you know, we heard rumblings, but... Not, sure. Not, I mean, not. nothing definitive. I mean, obviously three years in the ABA. So, yeah. you know, definitely uh, not a dissatisfaction to the point where it was, you know, a must leave. It's just obviously a better opportunity, you know, and maybe something that they're a little more comfortable with. I mean, obviously, uh, Bulldogs run a class organization, um, you know, and are very fan friendly and very fan oriented. So mm. I they probably feel that they, this puts them in a better position, you know, to fit the needs that are fit what they want to provide for fans. Yeah, absolutely. So we can't wait to see where the Bulldogs are going to be doing with the East Coast Basketball League. And, and, I mean, big kudos to the East Coast Basketball League because, obviously, the Bulldogs were going to host the ABA Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, COVID hit, so they granted them this year. So cool for them to be like, you know, we'll still let you host the you know an all-star game. So that's uh, pretty cool of the league to let a team like the Bulldogs in their first year do that. Yes, and, yeah. the, and the round out, too, the Bulldogs are now on Twitter. Ooh. Sure. So at Bing underscore bulldogs so definitely hop on there if you want to find out what's going on with our local basketball team yeah and uh, just some interesting rumble ponies news uh first off we have a world record attempt going to be attempted to be broken down at nice stadium uh this taking place on thursday august 27th uh a local power lifter teacher and power lifter bill clark uh, is going to attempt to break his own guinness world record for the most license plates ripped in half in 60 seconds at nice stadium uh, apparently he holds the current record of 23 license plates torn in half in 60 seconds uh, he set this back in 2018, so those are metal, folks. Those, are, those aren't paper. Those aren't plastic. Those are metal that he's ripping in half. So, good Lord, that's going to be impressive to watch. Also got to give a shout-out to the folks whoever designs the Binghamton Rumble Ponies t-shirts. Uh, the Rumble Ponies have a sale going on on some of their apparel, which if you're in the local area, you should definitely check out. But I saw this one that I absolutely love. Uh, it is on the front. It just says, Bingham, I'm showing Ken here. Uh, it just says, simple Binghamton Rumble Ponies, nice little banner on the front. On the back, it says 2020 Binghamton Rumble Ponies Undefeated Tour. That's amazing. With all the dates they would have played this past season. That's tremendous. so amazing. So good. Can see that? Yeah, no, the back of it there is uh, 2020 Binghamton Rumble Ponies Undefeated Tour. That's good shit. It's so good. Oh, incredible. So more information about that, bingrp.com. Yeah. Pad, why don't you kick us off with the bases here? Yeah, so before I get to talking some baseball, I got some footy news to talk about, or, or soccer as it's called in the state, but football for the rest of the world, because admittedly, not that huge of a soccer fan. I see highlights. I know some players. I watch the World Cup when it comes around. But when this one hit the news, it hit even my radar. Uh, world famous, possibly the most famous, depending on who you talk to, uh, football player in the world, Lionel Messi, has told Barcelona that he wants to leave the club this summer. Wow. According to sources at ESPN, uh, Lionel Messi, who has been with uh, Barcelona for a very long time, first season uh, was in 20, 2004. So he's been with Barcelona for 16 years. Uh, 16 seasons, 444 goals. Uh, he's, he's not happy. He's leaving, wants to leave. Apparently, uh, he's 33 years old and he has a contract until 2021. Uh, but he's disappointed uh, with events on and off the pitch uh, in recent months. And then reports from Ar- quote reports from Argentina claim Messi believes a clause in the contract should oblige Barcelona to let him leave for free. Uh, however, as reported by ESPN earlier this year, the club maintain that uh, that particular clause expired at the end of the start of the summer. I mean, this is to, this is shocking the soccer and 
football slash football world all over the place. I, I think I read a report at one point that Ronaldo uh, gave him a call, which is another huge name in the soccer world. So it, it, this is akin to, you know, Jordan leaving the Bulls, Brady leaving the Patriots, you know, if, if Kobe ever left the Lakers. Mm-hmm. This, this is huge. Yeah, it's definitely big news. Big news if you're a soccer fan. Yeah. Uh, switching over to baseball, we are at the midway point through the season. Wow which is crazy to say. Uh, Looking at the standings, the Tampa Bay Rays are in first place uh, in a half game ahead of the New York Yankees. Would be a little bit closer, but the Yankees, unfortunately, did not play over the weekend because of some uh, COVID issues with the New York Mets. Uh, They are resuming play tonight as we record taking on the Atlanta Braves with one Aaron Judge returning to the lineup. Big deal. Uh Uh-huh. Minnesota's in first place in the Central. Oakland is in first place over in the West. Uh, Houston sucks. Well, they don't really suck. They're 16-13, and but... Jose Altuve sucks, and that is giving me goddamn right he does. All, it's giving me all the, the breath of fresh air in the world. Uh, my brother sent me a thing the other day. Apparently, the MLB the show updates their stats in real time, much like uh, Madden does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Altuve is doing so poor this year that his rating got dropped, and he got dropped from the diamond tier rating to the gold tier rating. Which I was just like, yes, give me more. Uh, out in the National League, the Atlanta Braves are in first place over in the East. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are over in first place in the Central, uh, and then the LA Dodgers are at first in first place over in the West. Uh, biggest thing jumping out to me: all the pitching injuries. There have been a lot of pitching injuries. Yeah, that's surprising this year. You know, surprising. But then you, but the way it was being explained uh, in an article I was reading the other day, it's, it, it goes back to the shortened summer camp, I guess you could say. Where you think about a normal spring training, they start pitchers and catchers report like either the third or last week in February, and then they have like a full solid month where they're building up and they're getting going. They only got like half of that, and then they had to stop, and then they had like a two week restart, and then they're going back at it again. So it's it's going back to that. So going to be interesting to see how things go for the rest of the year with pitchers because I know they're a hot commodity with the trade deadline uh, approaching. You know, going to be very interesting to see. Also uh, of note. The pettiness is Zach Granke. Whole, yeah. If you're not aware, Zach Granke has been found on foot on footage of broadcasts telling the batter what's coming, like holding up a sign, like what he's going to throw, and they still can't hit it. And just the pettiness is just insane. That's wild. That's yeah. yeah. It should be an interesting uh, second half of the season. Yeah. Hopefully the Yankees stay a little more healthy. Yes. And, uh, definitely some fun baseball to watch as we go down the stretch. It's so weird to say at this point, but mm-hmm. obviously we live in a pandemic era. Yep. Coach. I know you've been waiting all show to talk about this. The floor is yours. Well, the NBA draft lottery happened, and once again, the Knicks were hosed. Should we, should we give a disclaimer? Yeah. The thoughts, views, opinions of that of Coach Duffy do not reflect the ODPH in any way, shape, or form. Listener discretion is advised. The draft lottery was held, and the Knicks were hosed again. Just like time and time again. The Knicks had the position or the potential to land in the sixth spot, I believe, okay. and fell to eighth. Hey. Mm. Fell to eighth. Meanwhile, Golden State, who had a bad year because obviously Kevin Durant left, Clay Thompson was injured and recovering from you know a torn MCL. Didn't Steph miss or a ACL. Decent, and decent portion? Yep, Steph missed a big chunk of time with uh, you know a broken thumb. Had a very bad record, very bad season. And, of course, where do they land? Second, because why not? They're going to a new arena, so we better make sure that they have a position to get a good draft pick. And, you know, while we're at it, Minnesota is potentially going to be up for sale. So what make what might look more attractive than the number one draft pick overall going to a team that might be coming up for sale in the next you know, a few months. Mm. Why not? You know, but, again, you know, let's just have the Knicks fall to eighth because – 
they just keep making money because fans just keep paying to go in attendance. And another topic that I want to talk about, and listen, the results, Minnesota 1, Golden State 2, Charlotte 3, Chicago 4, Cleveland 5. By the way, Chicago rising from their projected spot of 7 to 5, but okay. you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, the Knicks, Washington, Phoenix, San Antonio, blah, 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 blah. You know, and another thing that I want to talk about real quick, and, and something that I saw on Facebook, and you know, a lot of people on Twitter, but mostly Facebook, you know, is Nick's revisionist history. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a tangent. So if you don't want to listen, just fast forward the show. But I'm going to go on a tangent. Um, listen, you Knicks fans or you Nick haters, get over it. You can't rewrite history. You know, everybody, oh, the Knicks, you know, the Przingis trade, oh, they look so dumb. Przingis didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be a Nick, so they fucking traded him. What do you do with players that aren't happy? You trade them. You don't hold on to them and try to hope that things turn around. Bridges were burned too much. Przingis' brother was way too much in his ear, way too much in his head, and the, the relationship went from bad to ugly. So what do you do? You trade him. Now, could they have gotten a better package for him? Arguably, probably, but they got two first-round picks out of Dallas, which at the time were great. Also, Dennis Smith Jr., who at the time, everybody was like, oh, Dennis Smith Jr., oh my God, you know, he's going to be great. Has he played well for the Knicks? No. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't hold on to Przingis when he's not happy and doesn't want to be here. So you trade him. That's fine. That's a good trade. That's a smart trade. That was a good trade for the franchise. Mm-hmm. The next thing. Kevin Portis Jr. versus Kevin Knox. All right, let's go back to 2017 when that draft selection happened. Or Michael Porter. I'm sorry, not Kevin Porter. Michael Porter was hurt and had a very, very serious back injury that held him out his entire year in Missouri. Okay, so the Knicks are looking at the ninth, at the eighth pick in the draft, Kevin Knox uh, uh, on the board, a uh, player who had a solid year at Kentucky, ton of potential. Ton of potential. Ceiling very high. Now, if he hits the floor, he hits the floor, but ceiling very high. So the Knicks take the safe bet in Kevin Knox, and Michael Porter Jr. falls to 13 with Denver. You can't be mad at the Knicks for not taking a guy who didn't have a back that was going to pass an exam. Denver had the luxury of, hey, we don't need you right now, so we're going to stash you on the they bench. They could stash him, yeah. And when you're ready to come back and be healthy, come back and be healthy. But the Knicks didn't have that. Had the Knicks drafted Porter and Porter been hurt, everybody would have killed the Knicks. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at that. They take the injured guy instead of the safe bet and Kevin Knox. What idiots. They didn't have a choice. You know, you want to kill the Knicks, you can kill them for some of the shitty moves that they made, like hiring Fisdale, which wasn't a good head coaching selection, Uh, you know, bringing in Phil Jackson as a general manager, drafting Lampy instead of Ron Artest. Those things, perfectly fine. Those were bad Knicks decisions. But you cannot kill them for selecting players who aren't hurt versus guys who are hurt. Then don't be Knicks fans. Don't be Knicks fans. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's that plain and simple. I just, it's, it's so ridiculous that, and you know, the, the thing that is that comes to mind is Knicks for clicks. Yeah. All you people just you write about the Knicks, you talk about the Knicks because you know it's going to get talked about because love it or hate it, the Knicks are the NBA. And whether they're bad or good, they're the pulse. Mm-hmm. I'll say, I'll call it what it is. You no, don't agree with me? Come in and say something else. But the Knicks are the pulse. You talk about them whether they're bad. You talk about them whether they're good. They'll always be the topic of conversation. Now we've been down for a long time as Knicks fans, and it's been brutal. Ken, it's been it's been hard. Oh, it's been egregious. But you cannot sit here and tell me that 
the Knicks have not time and time again been just passed over and screwed over by the NBA to the point that it is almost it's comical. laughable. It's comical. No, you're no, you're exactly right. They have had a lot of I'll just say bad luck, but I'll put it mildly that they have not gotten a high draft pick for whatever reason. We didn't get Zion when we were supposed to. We, you know, there's been different factors that have not worked out in our favor, and you can kind of put the dots together, and allegedly you get the picture. Sure. I mean, it's very, very obvious when you sit here and you look at the fact that the Knicks have the sixth pick in the draft and they fall to eighth. Yeah. Or they're a uh, top three pick and they stay at three. Meanwhile, the Lakers, who were on eighth pick potentially, go all the way up to four. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very – and who's on the Lakers but LeBron? You know, I mean, all these things add up over time. You know, and you start to look at it and you're like – the NBA is a shill for the Knicks because they know that regardless whether the Knicks are bad, they're still going to push ratings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, it is what it is. And it's frustrating as hell. Now, the Knicks are eighth. What the fuck are they going to do with the eighth pick? This draft is not deep. Oh, I mean, everybody will try and sell you on the fact that this draft is no, deep. Not. It is not deep. After There's, pick four, it, you're looking rough. It is very, very role-player-esque mm. after four. Yeah. And even four. Before you could debate, yeah. Yeah, for, I mean, outside of LaMelo Ball and maybe Wiseman, who we haven't seen play because he had to sit out at Memphis, you really don't know what you're going to get. Now, the kid from Alabama, the shooting guard, you know, had a tremendous uh, run uh, during the season up until COVID hit. So, you know, he's definitely, you know, um, or Auburn. Yep. Uh, that kid's a score, you know, and I think he might make it in the second, in the next level. But outside of that, I mean, eighth, it's it just reminds me back when, the, you know, Cole Anthony or LaMelo Ball might be off the board at seven. Yeah. And then the Knicks are going to be staring with plan B. And plan B has not gone very well for the Knicks. No, the only thing you can say is, a, I don't want to say an upside, but I have liked everything Leon Rose has done thus far. Agree. They've so, hired some very smart hires. So I mean, if they let him do their work, I'm not saying I'm optimistic, but I'm going to say this draft will be at least a little more tolerable to watch. Sure. It's, and, oh, oh, the other thing, uh, the draft picks that the Knicks have traded, like, you know, oh, that led to, you know, Dar- uh, D- uh, Damian Lillard and left to, you know, Donovan Mitchell in Utah. Like, those were all Knicks picks that, you know, they traded, they got mellow. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can't be mad at them putting those picks in. Now, would Melo have signed in the offseason? Potentially, more than likely. But, you know, they traded those assets on to get Carmelo in. They might not have gotten him without him. And Melo gave us some great years. Yeah. So, again, revisionist history. Like, yeah, you can go back and say, oh, that trade was dumb. But it also led to the most prominent years the Knicks had had in the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, the same thing I can argue with Buffalo trading away the pick that we got Patrick Mahomes. Sure. I mean, you don't know me. You don't know. It's or a draft. 31 teams passing on Tom Brady 198 times. Exactly. Yeah. Great I, stat pad. It's just, it's ridiculous the fact that you want to sit here and you just want to, you know, look at all these things that, you know, that the Knicks did. It's at the time that they did these decisions, it was the right move yeah. for the organization. Now, obviously, they've made dumb calls. Mm-hmm. You can't say that. But what I'm saying is you can't sit here and stranglehold the fact that they traded a first-round pick to get Melo and then be like, well, look at that! what that number one pick led to. It led to Damian Lillard on Portland. You don't know that. At the time, you don't know that. It's such an unknown. And to your point about Porzingis, yeah, you can say they were dumb for trading Porzingis away if you're only looking at the top layer of icing on a cake. Right. If you're just looking at it from the strict fact of they traded away this player and look at how good he is. If you're like a layer, like a, 
like a, you're looking at a birthday cake. You're only looking at the top layer of icing. But underneath all that icing, there's a lot of rotten cake underneath. Yeah, and, yeah. and now look at tonight. Prozingis is out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, was that a really a bad trade? Now, listen, when they when they made those th- those trades, you know, the, that those, those first round picks for the Mavericks looked really really good. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, they yeah. looked pr- lottery projected, and they were unprotected. You can't ask for much more of an organization than getting somebody's first round unprotected pick. Yeah. You can't. So, yeah, those are really attractive pieces. Now, De- Dennis Smith has not panned out, but that's not the Knicks' fault. That's just uh, he hasn't accl- yeah, it's circumstances. He hasn't acclimated well to the city, uh, hasn't played well basketball. Fizdale obviously didn't wasn't a very good head coach at the time. You know, hopefully that turns around this year. Um, so, you know, there's still a ton of potential. I mean, he's only 25 years old. Yeah, he's like, still let's give him time. You know, I mean, he might turn it around this year. Um, and, you know, who knows what Leon Rose is going to do with this first pick? You know, I mean, there's a lot of potential that they might move it. They try might try and trade up. They might try and trade out of it and move down. So, the, the Leon, I, I, I still trust in Leon Rose. I just stop sitting here and micromanage, like, micro-looking at these Knicks picks when there's a much bigger picture. Ahead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the one thing I noticed on Facebook, too, a lot, that people are just armchair GMing yeah. and saying, well, you know, if the Knicks had these picks... Who knows? Who knows? It's such an unknown quantity, no matter what sport it is. I mean, the one I can think of is uh, baseball, Kyle Drabeck. Yeah. When he was with the Toronto, when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he was getting mentioned in trade talks at the major league level that, oh, this is the next big thing. This is the next big guy. Keep your eyes on this. I got to see him pitch here at Binghamton when he was with the the Blue Jays organization. And I remember I went to the game with my mom, and this was like a week after the trade deadline ended, and his name was mentioned on ESPN. And at the time, he's a double A. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, cool. I get to see this guy who was just mentioned nationally pitch. Right. And I remember going to this game going, holy shit, why is this guy in the double A? He's striking everybody out and got pitches in the high 90s. He hasn't pitched in four years. Yeah. He fizzled out. Yeah. You, Look at the you guy, don't know. Look at the guy who was rated higher than Mike Trout. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's going to be the next best player, and now Trout, he's playing triple A. Yeah, Trout just had a, a signed baseball card go for $4 million. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, get you know what? You, don't, you want to talk to Knicks? Talk positive, or yeah. don't talk at all. Or just jump ship now. Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn, go. Brooklyn will take you. And I will ship you there. Yeah. I will help pack your bags. Exactly. We don't want you on our team. Because guess what? For all those people that were, ooh, RJ Barrett's a bag pick, mm, I guess he panned out a little bit because he played pretty fucking well, huh? Didn't he? Coach Duffy, <laughs> 11, at Twitter. I have to amend one of my uh, b- uh, bases from earlier. I said the Yankees will resume play tonight against the Braves. Uh, that has been called on account of rain. Yeah, it's See, right. Because it's there's, a couple, there's a couple storms in the Gulf Coast. Sure. No, but I, agree, coming. but I agree with you, Coach. It's like if, if you can't sit there, if you want to just go over every single draft pick your organization has done for the <laughs> team, like, listen, we could all be here for a five-hour right. podcast at least. Listen, you want to kill them for not picking our test? I get it because that was a yeah. dumb, that was a dumb, dumb, I dumb move. Every I mean, time. the guy never even came to America, so absolutely. Yeah, but and you want the uh, the other the uh, uh, Antonio Bernardi trade? Yeah, you want to you want to talk about getting fleeced? I will second you on that. Let's bring that up. But you cannot sit here and say that the Mellow trade was bad. You cannot sit here and say the Porzingis trade was bad because all of those things yielded to positivity. Yeah. There was Sorry. A, there was an upside to it, just people want to sit there and, and be a negative yeah. person. Yeah, oh, about he, he's a once-in-a-lifetime generational player. Well, he's sitting tonight, so yeah, exactly. you tell me what's generational. Yeah, let me let me know when he's when he's up there in the Jordan. There. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic is playing with one leg because yeah. his nope. ankle's been rolled on yeah. twice. Luka is your once-in-a-lifetime generation Bingo. guy. Bingo. Yeah. Przingis, no. 
the unicorn's horn fell off. Mm-hmm. He's just an average horse now. Just an average pony. Yep. <sighs> you, Feel right. better. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I had listen. I guys. I literally. I mean, asked my wife about this. I when the draft pick came on, I screamed and I sat on our stairs and she was like, "What is the matter with you?" And I go, "Aaron." You don't know how hard it is being a Knicks fan. I'm pretty sure you in our group text we have going. Oh yeah, you, you sent a, a text in all caps. Oh, it yeah. just it is so fucking difficult, time and time again to have this continue to happen, time and time again. Like, you know, I knew I didn't think we would get the first pick. Like, yeah, I mean, no, there was a real outside I chance of that happening. But I figured we at least land where we were projected to five land, if not move yeah. up. But to fall to eighth. Yeah, you cannot say that the NBA is not dogging us because you can't say it. It's because they didn't wait the ping pong ball like they did the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. or they didn't fr- uh, freeze the envelope. You listen. I, there's too many conspiracy theories that just add up. Minnesota's going to be up for sale in a few months. Mm, let's give them the first pick. Hey, Golden State's moving arenas. Mm, let's give them the second pick. There's a lot of timely circumstances I mean, that are involved. Hey, New Orleans trading Anthony Davis to Los Angeles. So what do we give them? Somebody to fill the seats in Zion. Hmm, weird. I don't know. You tell me. I, am I None am I wrong? Oh, hey, the Lakers need to be able to trade uh, uh, for Anthony Davis. What do we give them? Oh, the fourth pick in the draft. Hey, New Orleans, you want that pick? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. It's very interesting to weird. kind of put the dots together. Pat, you got something? Yeah, I'm just reading an article from Pro Wrestling Sheet that came out as we were recording. There will be an interesting individual on NXT announced team this week. I have some bad news, don't you? Yeah, I got some. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Get out. Yep. Pro Wrestling Sheet, uh, according to Ryan Satin, uh, that says, "Quote: Pro Wrestling Sheet has learned former WWE star Wade Barrett will be joining the NXT announced team this week." Sources tell us that this is a one-shot deal for now, and the former leader of Nexus, who won the uh, first original season of NXT, has not signed a full-time deal to rejoin the company a very interesting development very interesting news to hear about so we'll definitely have to keep our eyes out for that on wednesday night and for more nick's talk definitely hit up coach duffy on twitter at coach duffy 11 we'll continue the conversation tell there. him how great brooklyn is oh i i want no part not of that even smoke. gonna nope no i gotta <laughs> not get, even gonna address that subject I, I gotta get to my bases before we have to go make yeah. this behind a paywall so i got some mma news to talk about okay now not just ufc bellator had a big fight go on huge recorded yeah, uh, Bellator 244 happened Friday night in the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Ryan Bader, the uh, champ champ of that uh, organization, had a very big 205 light heavyweight titled fight against Vladimir Nemkov. Okay. Now, if you're not sure who he is, he is the protege of the legendary Fedor. Oh. So this one had a lot of history behind it because Bader – defeated Fedor okay. uh, a while back in, uh, I believe, 2019. That, so That right, sounds about right. Yeah, so Vader knocked him out, and Nemkov decided to return the favor in round two, <laughs> uh, hit him with a nasty left, if I'm not mistaken, and is now Bellator's light heavyweight champion, which definitely, I, I want to say, is a headline maker in its own right because Ryan Bader – for a long time, has had this resurgence since he left the UFC. Yeah, and I remember that he was up there in the John Jones conversation of like top prospects in MMA for a while. So the fact that Bader is lost uh, is a huge news in that way in that organization. And whatever's going to happen at the heavyweight title now is anybody's guess because yeah. I know uh, one Fabricio Verdum is supposed to be hanging around. So we'll have to wait and see what goes on there. But that wasn't the only big MMA action going on this past weekend. The UFC continued the fight nights going. And they had a fight night at the Apex on Saturday, August 22nd. And in the main event 
Frankie Edgar hey, won that's a name. in decision in his bantamweight debut defeating Pedro Munoz. Now, Coach and I both watched this fight, had this Munoz winning. <laughs> I mean, like we were talking about off the air. I mean, I went to bed. Yeah. I thought Munoz had this in the bag. I thought at worst it would be a split decision, and I just went to bed and didn't even follow up on it. And then come yeah. to find out today. Yeah, so this is... Now, the 11th fighter, I believe, that has, fought, has won a fight in three weight classes. Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. So, definitely kudos to Frankie. Always love seeing Frankie fight. I mean, he's up on that side of uh, 38, though, which, I mean, he's gone through battles. So, how much longer he has left, I don't know, but I still enjoy seeing him fight because if you can still fight in a, at this stage, man, kudos to you. Cause yeah, I mean, they held in the pocket and were clubbing away so that was a ton of fun to watch yeah frankie's always in an exciting fight i don't think i've ever seen him in a boring one i mean sure and just like i said the lineage of fighters he's he's gone at if he can make a run at 135 that would be incredible i just don't see it at this age i just don't but i know you know with peter ian having the title and then whatever's going to happen with aljamain sterling there's some fights to be had so we'll have to wait and see about that but then this saturday too is also another fight card with the UFC. In the co-main event, Robbie Lawler is taking Ooh. on Mil- Neil Magny. Okay. So that should be a fun one to watch. I know yeah. Lawler is stepping in, I believe, on short notice to but fight. Yeah, so, sounds about right. So this one could go either way. I mean, I like Lawler. is always exciting to fight and uh, mm-hmm. to watch fight. And Magny is a great fighter, too. So that's going to be your co-main. Your main event, though, is a battle in the light heavyweight division. Anthony Lionheart-Smith is taking on Alexander Rannick. Oh, okay. So Rannick, 12-2. and two. Anthony Smith uh, has been coming back since his fight against John Jones. So not really sure what, how this one's going to play out. I'm going to go with Smith because I do like Smith and his fighting style. So we'll have sure. to wait and see what happens Saturday night. And just to round out the show, we got to talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs. Vegas is leading Vancouver in their playoff series 1-0 right now. Dallas is up 2-0 on Colorado, which just lost their starting goalie. Hey, yikes. That ain't good. Yeah, so that is not a good thing. So uh, my pick for Colorado to, to go to the Stanley Cup is going to be derailed. I, they're hitting with the injury bug at the worst possible time. Yeah. Over in the Eastern Conference, those New York Islanders. Pesky mother truckers. Yes. Are actually, because of the reseeding, um, leading – Philadelphia won nothing in their series. Mm. Can they both get eliminated at the same time? God. We can only hope. And then Boston is up one nothing on Ranger South, Tampa <laughs> Bay. So we'll have to kind of wait to see. More action is going to be going on as the week is progressing. So definitely a lot of hockey to head and just keep the cup warm for the Rangers next season because, hey, we still got the number one pick. That's true. Tra- haven't traded that away. Jesus. Never lost. That being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that of Fair City Fire. There are friends from Austin, Texas. Brian Wolf is doing a lot of big things on his Instagram page, and I believe he has a live concert this week, too. So if you want to find out about all that and so much more, head on over to OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Check out the music section. You can find out everything going on with Fair City Fire, Shout at the Robots, Floodland, Second Suitor, and all the great bands you hear on the ODPH. Stop on over to the ODPH directory as well. You can find out friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who pad is still not accepted his apology for the egregious comments he made about Ratchet and Clank. Still a factor. You're going to find out what's going on with Excite Wrestling because even though they just had their show this past week, they're talking another drive-up show September 12th, Pat? Uh, that was the date mentioned, but uh, according to a post from one Johnny Moose in the last couple of days, 
might not be the case, so mm. we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to find out more about that, head on over to ExciteWrestling.com. But you can get there via the ODPH website. You can also find out about organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and voter registration. And you can check out all the amazing pod groups that we are in via their pod chaser pages. So shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to The Apocalypse. And, of course, shout out to hashtag 607 Podcast. And everyone over at 8122 Productions, Mike C. from Horizon 607, Rich Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool, still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. Has not gotten kicked off and especially is bringing the heat on the Patreon content that you can only find at patreon.com slash 8122productions. And so much more is going on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. You can find out all about that at ochoduroparlayhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night, and I still hurt. For the one and only Pat and 1J. I just want to watch a Yankee game. Is that too much to ask? I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.